Hello, everyone. Welcome aboard the Mark 7 Animusings podcast. We're now en route to the happiest kingdom of them all, Oliver and Company, along the way. Uh, and I'll, I could keep going, but. Wait, is that? It's the monorail. Oh my god. Oh, okay. I can kind of. I couldn't think of another. Uh, I couldn't think of another attraction that would tie in as well with. Uh, that's not bad, though. Like, monor- I mean, monorail, subway, New York. There, there's not, I mean, is there, I don't think there's a major, any major New York-themed attractions at a Disney park, other than maybe Hollywood Studios somewhere. But that's not, ho- Hollywood is California. No, but, but Hollywood, Hollywood Studios would have, like, a New York-themed back lot, wouldn't it? Or is that, am I thinking more Universal Studios? You're thinking I'm thinking of an actual movie studio, whereas I don't know what Hollywood Studios is at Disney anymore, at Disney World. Anyway, welcome to Animusings. This is a show where we talk about Disney and specifically movies produced by the Walt Disney Animation Studios in a bid to understand a little bit of the history of animation in the feature animated medium, and mostly as an excuse for me and my wife, Kayla, Hi. to uh, watch movies. Um, and here we are. We're at number 28, I want to say. Uh, let me get the countdown. Um, while you're pulling that up, just to make sure... 27. 27. Okay, I was one off, but that's not terrible. And, uh, we are joined by a returning guest, uh, who you might have heard from our Animusics Plus episode on Song of the South, uh, artist and friend Randy Guerra. Hello. Hi, How's everybody doing tonight? Thank you. Glad to be back. Excellent. How's, how's things? Oh... Things are pretty okay. Uh, can't complain. Art every day and all that. I recently commissioned him to uh, 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 design my tattoo that I now have on my arm, and uh, as well as uh, he designed my Pathfinder character. So that's been awesome. That seems can, right. Can up- I just like take a second to say to talk about how flattering that is to <laughs> have someone commission art and then put it permanently on their person. <laughs> <laughs> No, you did a great job, and I lo- it actually turned out well. I love it. Um, I'm very I'm, happy with it. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> um, uh, now, uh, he this uh, one, we mentioned it's Oliver and Company, right? I think we already mentioned it's Oliver and Company. Okay. Uh, Somewhere in the background, you're probably very faintly hearing the dulcet tones of Huey Lewis singing about how it's always once upon a time in New York City. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that's who that was? Yeah, it's Huey Lewis. Um, oh, 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 yeah, the the casting in this is kind of insane. I'm not gonna lie. Just wait. Right? Yeah, like, this this is, like, dripping with New York celebrities. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Appropriate. Um, I, I guess, I, do, should we give our background histories with this before I give... The before answer? you get the, the... Well, usually we do the history first, and then we do our personal histories, but, um... I'm a little curious about how this movie came to be because we're now um, we're now post uh, we're post Black Cauldron yes for sure but we're also um, but we're also post Great Mouse Detective yes which did help but what really helped it was uh, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit which came out um, July 
It was four months before this. Oh, wow. So this film came out November 18th, 1988. Um, I am not yet born. <laughs> We're getting close. Neither am I. No, I know. <laughs> oh, neither am I. <laughs> We're still... I am, I'm a few days from being born when this movie comes out. Oh yeah, really. I'm 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 at the tail. I'm I, my my birthday is the last day of November. I share that birthday with Mark Twain. It's a fact I bring up all the time because that's awesome. So this movie comes out, oh. and then like twelve days later, Dave, uh, baby David is born. Not in New York. Uh, I, I come into being like maybe what, four months after the movie comes out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I come out almost exactly a year <laughs> to the day after this movie comes out. That's going to be a trip when we talk about that movie. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I know. Uh, so, by the way, this is the first film to begin production under uh, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberger. The other films uh, had already been talked about and were already being worked on before they came into picture. Because mm-hmm. Ron Miller was the CEO before that. Right. Um. So, like, after The Black Cauldron, what Eisner and Katzenberg did was, like, Brought a, like brought in all the animators and they said, just pitch ideas. Come on, just give us ideas. They called it the Gong Show. <laughs> um, so Ron Clements and John Musker are like, well, we would like to do something about the Little Mermaid, and we want to do something like Treasure Island in space. Ugh, uh, yeah. Story about Treasure Island <laughs> in space. Considering uh, tre- <laughs> considering Treasure Island was uh, Walt Disney's first live action animated feature. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fitting that they would want to revisit it in animated form, but in space. I'd like honestly that even even if I didn't know what Treasure Planet was, I would be so down for this idea. No, it's a it's a great idea. I kind of wish it was it would have been done earlier. During yeah, this point. yeah, me too. Um, Is it sad that I know so much about Treasure Planet, but I've never actually seen the film? Really, really, I, I've never seen it. I've only seen it once. So, and I I don't really remember much of it. I probably should see. From what I remember, it's good. Uh, it's like or it, I like it's good, but it's it wasn't great. But then again, it, I've only seen it once, and it was like I, I think I how I watched it was like it was on Disney Channel or something like that. Oh, okay, so it would have been broken up. Yeah, we will definitely get to Treasure Planet eventually. Mm-hmm. But let's 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 stay on target. Okay, so. Uh, so while they pitched those ideas, Pete Young said, I would like to do Oliver Twist with dogs. Uh, Kat- <laughs> Katzenberg, who... <laughs> Let's do Oliver Twist with well, dogs. To be fair, to be fair, every time the Disney Studios have been in a slump, they've pulled out a dog movie and it's been a huge success. Yeah. Look at Lady and the Tramp. Look at 101 Dalmatians. Like, oh, honestly. Wow. It's like a correlation I've never made before in my yeah. life. It's true. Yeah. I mean, so far. Their dog movies tend to be- That's one of the things I we've been led to understand doing this podcast is just that if, if they do a dog movie, it generally it does relatively okay for them. And actually, we're going to make a lot. I think we're going to make quite a bit of comparisons to 101 Dalmatians. You know it. You know we are. Um, but Katzenberg approved it because he had already planned on uh, producing a live action version of this at Paramount, of the actual musical Oliver at Paramount. Oh, really? Because remember, they were uh, at Paramount before this, both Eisner and Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Yeah. Katzenberg. Yeah. Wow. So this actually film was going to be a lot darker. It's like, it begins with, like, the Sykes' two Dobermans ki- murdering Oliver's parents. Whoa. And it's Whoa. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then it would actually focus on Oliver getting revenge. Whoa. That didn't happen. No, obviously. 
So they <laughs> they obviously changed that around um, and went with the film that they did. Now, uh, Disney also invested about $15 million into a computer system called Computer Animation Production System, or CAPS. And uh, this, if you couldn't tell, a lot... Um, a lot of the stuff in this is computer generated about like 11 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. And you could tell like, mm-hmm. like with the, like Sykes's car, some of like the taxi cabs, uh, Fagin scooter, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. This is also the last animated Disney classic to use, uh, the cell overlay that, you know, that technique that was first started with 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. The Xeroxing. Yeah. This is the last time it's gonna, they, they use that. Which, again, lends to the aesthetic of the movie and was why we kept looking at it and going, this this feels like kind of like 101 Dalmatians in terms of the way the animation is. Mm-hmm. So Now, in terms of the production history, I mean, it's there's not much to it. it. It's A lot of it is done by, like, the new generation, of course. Right. But the interesting part is more the day it came out because... There was another animated film that came out on the exact same day as this film. (laughs) And that's Land Before Time. Oh. Oh. Yeah. The Don Bluth picture. As in the Don Bluth. I have no idea. Yeah, the Don Bluth who just left Disney like 10 years ago. Don. Yeah. Uh, So on the opening weekend, Land Before Time debuted as at number one, grossing 7.5 million and beating out Oliver and Company, which opened at fourth. However, at the end, like once the domestic gross estimates came about, um, uh, Oliver and Company won, but not by that much. Like, so the budget for Oliver and Company was thirty-one million, and then um, for domestic gross, it was about they got fifty-three million, where Lamb Before Time only got forty-six million. How much was the budget for? Well, I guess we're, we'll talk about that when we get back around to Land Before Time someday. Yeah, I don't. But. I don't know the budget before Land Before Time. Uh, I didn't look into that, but um, it was a it was a mild success. But because it beat out Land Before Time altogether, like in terms of gross, yeah, uh, this incur they basically uh, Disney senior vice president um, of animation Peter Schneider said we're going to release an animated feature annually now oh wow yeah um however in term i mean in terms the difference is though even though oliver and company won out a little bit over land before time in terms of like how much money it made yeah uh the critics absolutely loved land before time and they could not get enough of it that you like even siskel and you say go see land before time over oliver and company Mm. With Oliver and Company, they said the it was middling. They a lot of the critics were like, "It's okay." One critic even called it harmless. <laughs> oh, that that hurts. I feel like that hurt more than just saying it was bad. Yeah, like, it's just okay. It's harmless. Uh, yeah, that's that's like one of those harmless phrases that's like you're saying it to kind of be nice, but it's kind of a slap in the face type of a comment. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, but I mean, l- let's see what we think. Uh, let's dive into it, I guess. I actually, let's talk about our histories with it. Okay. Uh, um, guest goes first. Randy, what's your history with Oliver and Well, uh, if I can remember, I want to say the first time I saw it, I was maybe seven and we had one of those big puffy VHS boxes with it, you know? Yep. And 
the the clamshells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I always used to see a preview for it on my clamshell copy of Aladdin or something. I forget. It's one of those movies. I was way too young to remember properly, but I used to burn this VHS out. It always had the preview for Oliver Company on it. And I remember thinking, oh, that looks neat. Maybe I'll get a hold of that sometime. Then I watched it. And I remember watching it and thinking, this is fun. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know, for some reason, I always think that I would like mishear what the characters were saying. And then I just haven't seen it in like a decade until I watched it for this. <laughs> you're you're a- welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten complete parts of it. Like the little girl, I didn't even remember she was a character. <laughs> uh, it was... <laughs> It was one of those kinds of experiences, you know? Oh, yeah, that happened. Um, what, about yeah. You? what about you, David? This is one I owned on VHS. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't watch it super frequently, but I, I did watch it a number of times. I remember big chunks of it, but it's funny. Um, this doesn't, parts of this do stick with me, but not in the, the same extent other ones do. Mm-hmm. And I remember now watching it years later, I remember it being longer. Yeah, this is a very short movie. It's only an hour and 14 minutes long. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like I for some reason remember it being a lot longer and then it wasn't. Yeah, same. I I mean, it's it's strange. I remember the pacing being different. I remember um, the way things led up into each other being different. But then again, my attention span was different back then. So I don't know. It's odd. I don't. It's like you have all this build up, and then suddenly it's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this much. It was never my favorite. Mm-hmm. There are moments in here I really enjoy, and then the rest of it is just kind of like it happened. I'm starting to think that that harmless comment kind of makes yeah. sense. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, I actually remembered quite a bit of this film. Um, there's a good reason I did own it, but. Um, I don't want to say this was my sister's favorite Disney anime film, but she definitely adored this film. Um, this seems like her kind of movie. Yeah. Though. So my sister is a huge, uh, as well. Now she's even now she's a animal lover. But as a kid, she loves stuff with animals, uh, like dogs, cats, that sort of thing. Um, not like anthropomorphic, but like if they're, um, like uh, like I don't remember her being a huge fan of 101 Dalmatians. Or, like, Lady of Tramp. This one, like, appealed to her because it had a more modern feel to it. Yeah. Um, so I watched this with her. And actually, um, a lot of the scenes, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I, I I mean, unlike you guys, it's like, I can't remember the last time I watched it. I must have been a teenager. But uh, a lot of scenes, I'm like, oh, yeah, this happened. I remember this happening. And I remember that happening. So, mm-hmm. um I didn't realize, like, how much I had watched of it. But at the same time, when, like, stepping away, it's, it doesn't stick. It's like, I remember it, but it do, it's not something that sticks as much as, like, other films. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like, I can say that I honestly remember that little preview on the VHS clamshell. I know it heart by heart, word for word. Oh, yeah. I didn't remember what the announcer guy's voice sounds like, but I could not tell you what actually happened I in could- the movie until I watched it. I could feel that because I remember very specifically parts of that little trailer as well. You know, Bette Midler and Billy Joel. Yes, well, yes. exactly. Well, I remember that too. Well, the weird part is there's a point in the announcer actually does say Huey Lewis, but he does it over the part with like a random, the like the one of the background dogs where I think like a bird jumps on its nose or something like that. 
Yeah. So you thought Huey Lewis was that dog? Well, there was a point where I'm like, wait, Huey Lewis voiced the dog? I did, like I said, I did watch this as a teenager. And there is one thing that did affect me from this or like had a huge influence with me. And I keep doing it like I knew well, and that's the songs. So I know a lot of the songs, like a few of the songs by heart. Cause, um, fun fact, um, I grew up with 80s music. Like, uh, like, as a kid, I actually knew what Huey and Lewis in the News was. I knew what Billy, who Billy Joel was. Like, so when it got to the point when I was like, oh, these are the actors that played them, I'm like, oh yeah, I know who these people are. I've listened to their music plenty mm-hmm. of times. And they're, so a couple, a couple of those songs actually stuck with me and I did continue to re-listen to them quite a bit without really telling anyone because I thought that was embarrassing. Aww. So young, I know that feeling. I know it. <laughs> so like, sixteen-year-old Kayla is walking through the halls of her school, and she has "Why Should I Worry" on her iPod. Oh, that's <laughs> along with uh, yeah, and then also um, I married you for a reason. Yeah, uh, you find me so endearing. I know. I really do. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know this. This is I'm finding you're all hearing me find this out for the first time. Uh, and then also oh, I'm finding uh, out. Same, but, uh, but actually, um, less so. Why should I worry? But actually, uh, the song um, uh, "Streets of Gold" I actually listened to quite a bit, so I knew all the words. I, we'll get into that later on, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we can. So because the movie begins actually with a song, uh, "Once Upon a Time in New York City" by Huey Lewis. Actually, it's just Huey Lewis. I was going to say Huey Lewis in the news, but it's- this was a um, this was a. Um- was this a um Howard Ashman? This is Ashman. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is the first Disney song uh written by Howard Ashman. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. No um, kidding. And uh here's another thing. So when it opens, you see New York. Yeah. You really see New York and you notice something else. Well, I mean, it's it's co- really cool to see uh, Well, the nice thing is about this movie is it uh, for the time it was a contemporary movie. It's set in the eight, late eighties in New York City, you see all the landmarks. You see the World Trade Center. You see um, the Twin look, Towers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to gloss it over. By the way, it's 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 just like it's there, and it's like cool to see it as part of the skyline, just there in so many shots. You know. So I should let you know there was a yeah in early 2001 or uh, they had dist- widely distributed on VHS, and then 9/11 happened. So Disney was trying to figure out, should we edit them out or not? And they realized that's not a good idea because it would ruin the film's original main title card and it would be way too costly and already it had been widely distributed. To call it back, it would be pointless. Funny enough, a lot of New Yorkers commended Disney on not doing this because they were like, they were like it's nice to see a film that shows New York before 9-11. To just basically have something like a memento that reminded us of something positive mm-hmm. of New York before this tragedy happened. So. It's very nice to hear. I wasn't aware of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just learned this yesterday, too. So I was uh, surprised to hear that. Because that, that is a tricky thing when you know, you they're like uh, when you have something like the Twin Towers so prominent in your film. And it, it, you, I mean, it's not prominent. But, like, it's there. Like, you notice. Oh, yeah. It was a major part mm-hmm. of the skyline then. And, you know. And this that's the thing about this film. It is completely a love letter to New York. Like, oh, oh absolutely. Or specifically New York yes. City. And 
wow, look at New York City. (laughs) (laughs) It's once upon a time. In New York York City. City. (laughs) Which opens up with kittens being being taken from a box... Or be kind of adopted, I guess, sold something. They were they were being they were selling it. They were being sold, and the price is being marked down as time went by. Okay. See on the little poster in the background. Okay, I feel like that. Basically, these were just kittens that were just born and had to basically give away. I've 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 seen I've seen this happen before. Like I've passed by people who are like, "Hey, do you want to buy a kitten?" Yeah. Um. I will say it touched me. Yeah. Touched me hard <laughs> because my cat was a rescue that was found in a box on the side of the road. And What's your cat's so name? So, like, golden tabby, Poppy. <gasps> oh, um, fat pop mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, now because you took the time to bring take a little kitty and make it into a big fat kitty. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I was gonna say, um, one of the things that stuck out to me right away is when we first see the people, we first see the animation of the people, and I got some serious rescuers vibes from the way that the animation was. Done. Oh yeah, me too. I thought that too, but it didn't really strike me until I guess the little girl was introduced like proper. And I was yeah. trying to pin like, who does she look like? I know she looks like somebody. Yeah. She, yeah. Um, no, Come on. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think about that. But as you're saying, I'm like, oh, I was like trying to figure out why the animation looks so similar. Like, oh, she looks kind of like Penny. Um, I haven't been able to. Not, not entirely like Penny. She doesn't have the pigtails or the little gap tooth, but she still have the same huge head. <laughs> It's like the general shape. It was sh- like ringing a bell with me, and I was trying to figure out for like the latter half of the film, and I didn't. <laughs> well, that that's helpful to me. This is why we. This is why it's good to have um, an artist on the show. With yes, us. but there's <laughs> there's actually a re- probably a reason for that. They so I mean they were already in the talks of doing a rescuer sequel. Yeah, and uh, I think this was some, from what I read. This might not be confirmed, but from what I read. Uh, this may have been the start of it, but then that those animations got converted to this. So like little that, girl that looks like Jenny, but Jenny and Penny. Penny. Yeah, Jenny. Jenny and Penny. Yeah. Ah. I mean, they they eventually do make a rescuer sequel uh, for Rescuers Down Under, but I'm just saying that the the new the, the way that New York looks in the background shots and the way that the people look in the foreground. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting some serious. Like, because last time we were in New York was with the Rescuers, so. I specifically wrote down in my notes here that I really dug all the background art for this film, like to an insane degree. I don't remember appreciating it this much, um, I guess, blame my artist eyes or whatever. But I was thinking to myself, it reminded me very much so with this like watercolory look. It looked a lot like um, old school New Yorker political cartoons in style, theme, color palette. And I was really all about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the backgrounds in this film work really well, especially when you're trying to portray a city and a city that's as vibrant and like lived in looking as New York is supposed to look. And I think the backgrounds at, at certain points, you, you know, you notice it real big and then other times it, it blends in pretty seamlessly with the background. And I will say compared to the black cauldron, the characters actually look like they're blending in with their background. I noticed, for example, the abundance of shadows on characters. Oh, again. yeah. You know, that was nice. That was missing from a couple films, you know, just regular shadows showing up, you know? Black Cauldron, another film I have not seen. I don't know enough about it because I listened to your episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say some, some at some points in that, the animation is absolutely exquisite. And I, you can go back and listen to my thoughts on that. Like some of the lighting effects in certain scenes are good. Other times it just looks like it's been pasted on and it's just weird. So that's a, that movie is a, is a whole ball of weirdness to me. 
That's because of like cell animation, though, right? That yeah, always has this look of being layered over top of the background. Yeah, but usually, uh, I mean, usually with layering, they're, I mean, they've, they've already mastered the art of making it look seamless. Why did the fact that they didn't do that for Black Cauldron says how... That's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. But there were so many reshoots or re- re-edits of the Black Cauldron. Yeah. But let's... No, sorry, Oliver. So we have Kitty in box. <laughs> kitty is left in box. Why is this one Kitty left in the box? I don't know. He's Sad adorable. Kitty. He's adorable. How dare he's you? by far the cutest. I don't know. Maybe because he's a runt. Aww. Although people love the runts. I don't yeah. know. How often? Like, there's so many times... You, you were I, showing me pictures of an Instagram cat that had, like, a, a snaggle tooth, and we were talking I about know. how precious it was. This is a, like, this is what happens. I follow people, and they have kitties, and then I'm like, look at this precious little darling. Um, And then, what's funny thing is, everyone I speak to, whenever I say, oh, that's a great cat, they're always like, yeah, he was the runt of the litter, and I'm like, yeah, most yeah. people tend to get the runt of the litter i've noticed apparently then then this will be my head cannon then oliver was too capable so everybody thought he'd be fine there we go oh yeah, you saw how he was like climbing over the heads of all the other cats and kind of flumping around um, like during that dodger chase scene yeah where he's like following him he seems more than capable of taking care of himself enough he's just naive that's gonna be my thoughts that's why that happened people looked at that cat and went He's too naive looking. Let's not adopt that. He's too naive. Uh, there was a cat that looked kind of like Figaro from uh, yeah. Pinocchio. I don't um, know if that was just the coloration or if that was intentional, but well, I totally went like, Kayla, look, they adopted Figaro. I, I know for a fact um, that, like, on maybe it's Friday 13th or it might be um, other special days, but um, sometimes ad- uh, adoption shelters will uh, give black cats away for free or um will or will uh at a discounted price because black cats are um least likely to be adopted like yeah they're they're um i I think it's because the connotation with bad luck yeah i think and a lot of superstitions i mean it it does have the connotation of like oh being a witch's cat or if a black cat crosses your path that whole unlucky idea and that's probably if i recall i think it is friday the 13th when you can do that like yeah. Some uh, adoption shelters are like, yeah. It depends on where you are. So, Gracie. Which which sad, which saddens me because it's like, no, all kitties are are, are treasures. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like cats and I like dogs both very equally. So, um, uh, they they both bring me happiness and joy. So, <laughs> yeah. That uh, one thing I do like about this movie, there's it, this is not a cat or dog oriented they're both shown it's weird because i it, well i mean as we get further in there it's mostly dogs no it is with mostly, a smattering of cat and but the, the but the cat is the main focus the cat is the is i mean he's the title character it's oliver and company right right <laughs> i have feelings about that okay because i wrote it here that you know i understand that the movie is titled oliver and company and that it's a play on oliver twist although very loosely very very but loosely. the main character in the film to me watching it now seems to be dodger and oliver happens to just be a viewpoint character yeah dodger dodger is kind of the centerpiece of this i think it's oliver but we i uh, and i'll tell you why oh, okay i'm kind of in the middle but like i hmm well, let's let's talk about Oliver real quick because he he's in the box until it starts raining and it gets dark and then the box collapses and he almost gets he runs into all kinds of dangerous situations. He almost gets swept down a storm drain. He gets chased by dogs. He goes to sleep in the the wheel well of a what a truck? A truck, yeah. Yeah. Takes off in the morning. But, um by the way, did, 
Okay, I like, I mean, Huey Lewis's version of Once Upon a Time in New York City is, it's a nice song. Did anyone else find this very unfitting for this part in the movie? That's like, should be like sad and horrifying. Like, Is it is it weird to say no? I didn't think so. I feel like the song fit enough, but I felt like it went on way too long. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I, here's the thing, I think it was great for the beginning. I think it could have stopped before that and uh, let more of a dramatic song appear during that part so we can feel more sympathy towards him. You know what would, you know what would be a good example to follow is the opening theme to The Rescuers? Because uh, it starts out hopeful and then there's that one moment where it gets dramatic mm-hmm. and then it goes right back to hopeful again. Like this movie, like this song could have taken a more dramatic turn when he's being chased by the dogs, but then at the end it could go, go right back into, you know, the chorus. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I thought the Rescuers did that beautifully. I, I love that, the song at the beginning. Oh no, it's a great and song. And this is still a great song, but I, I'm kind of with you, with you on that one, Randy. I think it, I think it does go on a little, a little too long, but. Like not by much, but just like, it drags the tiniest of bits. Like, okay, start the story. I get it. The kids in a messed up situation. <laughs> yeah. They really want you to feel bad for, for this cat, like really bad. Um, yeah. Like even in the, like it's morning and uh, he's by himself in New York city. I mean, geez, you'd like to be a, ci- a city to be born in and you don't know anything and naive. That's. I mean, it's one of the toughest places <laughs> in the U S right. Yeah. yeah. By reputation alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, have, I mean, have you, either of you been, to, I know you haven't David. Been I, to I've never been to New York. Uh, have you, Randy? I have never been to New York City. I lived briefly in New York State as a toddler. Oh, okay. Um, you've been you've been in New York City. I've been to New York City once, and like, because uh, when I was fourteen, I did that uh, New York City trip, like oh, okay. eighth graders take. Um, and I lo- it still sticks in my brain, and it's definitely one heck of a city. It's in it, it, it's. I'm trying to, I don't want to compare it to LA, but at the same time, it does, there's this sort of parallel feel, but they're very different. There's different, there's a different energy, I imagine. Different, yeah. Different architecture, different tone. Um, New York's very fast paced. New York's very, like, everyone's dresses more darker clothes and they're really on the go. Um, California, uh, definitely more like laid back and, or, and, uh, we're, we're more at a leisurely pace, but also everybody walks everywhere in New York. Like, there's a lot of... I know, I love it. For, like, a good decade, I wanted to go and move to New York. <laughs> I still really want to go, but it's, it's like, it's know, a, I don't know if a, I could live there anymore. It is yeah. a lovely city. It is... Like, I, I remember going there and really like like being there. I would totally want to visit again. Um, There's some things I wasn't able to do. Like, I did, I, I never got to ride the subway, and I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um. I did got to go down and then see like all the homeless people and all that. And it's like, ah, oh, this kind of reminds And then as an adult, I'm like, uh, when I was writing the public transit for yeah, Los Angeles, it kind of reminded me of that too. Yeah. I um, should just go. I live like five hours away. I should just go. You just, yeah. just go, just, just go sometimes. Just do it. Um, go for a day. Just do it. Make, make a, make a, make a, make a little mini vacay out of it. <laughs> just pack my boyfriend and I up and go and get us out of Ohio, the yes. land of corn for a go, day. <laughs> go, go somewhere, go somewhere romantic, you know, like go make a, make a date out of it. Visit Central Park. Go, um, go get one of those boats, row out in the, do what yeah. everybody does when they go to Central Park. You rent a boat, <laughs> go out 
and then immediately row back. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I'll go and I'll make a date out of uh, an Oliver and Company theme date by going with him and then making a ploy to go steal a bunch of hot dogs from a vendor. Yes. <laughs> Who is voiced by? Uh, Frank Welker. Yeah. So the, there's a point where, the, yeah, there's a not evil, evil hot dog owner. He's just, he's not evil in the slice. He's just really he's just really like a health code rough. violation looking. <laughs> I bet the hot dogs are great. <laughs> probably oh, yeah. they're probably. I mean, the the dogs seem to love them. It kind of reminds me. Well, it's it. Well, the, okay. I know I'm going to compare it to L. A. quite a bit, but there is with this. Well, it's like our urban experience. Yeah. This is, <laughs> um. But I mean, we're, we basically live in L.A. So. Yeah. So uh, and I, I mean, I've, I, I like I said, I basically worked in L.A. for years, like downtown L.A. for years and um, took the public transportation system and all that. Um, and uh, they also have some like questionable hot dog owners, but the hot dogs they sell amazing like you 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 bought one one time and had me when i was with you and you made me try it i was like this is actually really good no it's really like a street vendor hot dog no street vendor hot dogs or a wrap i it's really good and i can imagine the new york one's probably really good as well yeah i want to go get a new york hot dog um so and this is when uh dodger gets introduced i like the way he's introduced you just kind of see his paws initially by the way you know how a lot of their feet kind of they move in kind of like a dancer type way. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. based off Bob Fosse. <laughs> I was like, that's Emma. And actually watching, I'm like, wait, that style looks kind of familiar. And I'm like, no. It's, and then I look it up and they're like, yeah, they based it off Bob Fosse's choreography. I'm like, I am not surprised at all. Go figure. Oh, man. <sighs> Again, it's such a love letter to New York. Jeez. Um. And, uh... Is this... Is this... I'm trying to remember how... Oh, Dodger sees... Doesn't Dodger see Oliver trying to get the hot dogs and failing? Is that what happens? No, well, he... What does he do? He's, or he's just, uh, gets, uh, bothered by... Okay, now I'm forgetting what happens. But I mean, I, I just watched it last night. I should remember. <laughs> I know. But uh, all, I, if, all I remember for sure is, uh, Dodger's on top of a car, and, uh... Makes kissy faces at a dog. By the way, Dodger, the dog, is voiced by Billy Joel. This is mm-hmm. Billy Joel's only acting role ever. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. He is, I mean, he's done, like, guest appearances in a couple of films, like, as himself and or whatever. This is his only acting role. Oh, dear. Yeah. I, I wrote my notes. Oh, boy. Here comes Billy Joel. <laughs> also, a cat-calling dog. That's one yike from me. <laughs> Could you imagine if it was the opposite, though? A dog calling cat? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was O'Malley the Alley Cat and the Aristocats. Oh, man, I love the Aristocats. <laughs> That's a great film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we established in our Aristocats episode how Thomas O'Malley is, in fact, a saint. Oh, yeah. He actually is weirdly respectable. Like, mm-hmm. like the way- Not like this rapscallion. No, he's totally a rapscallion. Um but and also, but he doesn't have the lovable Cockney accent of the artful Dodger. No, instead he has a totally New Yorker accent. Like, dang. <laughs> like this is like they're they're like, yeah, we need a New Yorker for this. Who are getting? Oh, we're getting Billy Joel. Yeah, that's one heck of a New York accent. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I he. I what mean, What do we think of Billy Joel's acting in this? It's fine. I, 
I have like thoughts on the acting in general. Okay. In some of the parts of the movie, not like all of it, because I think that overall, of people playing characters are like really good. I think what I have a problem with is that they all seem to be directed to be as hammy as possible for New Yorkers, which is great, but also like as subdued as possible at the same time. It's like a very quiet movie, or at least I felt the voice direction. Yeah, was. I feel that. Um, like where people are supposed to be yelling, it's kind of like they're doing it right next to a person that's sleeping. So they're trying to be very <laughs> serious, but also not like wake them. So it's like, hey, you get over here. And I'm like, you should yell. You're in a room or whatever. It yeah. makes me feel like they were talking to each other, even though I'm pretty sure they weren't. <laughs> it just makes me feel it more. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, you again, very astute observation because as i think about it it's like yeah there's there's moments i'm trying to think where was it was there a point where anybody got really really emotional well there is okay there is one character i can think of well there well, but, I'll, but we'll get to that okay <laughs> baby i think you all know what i'm talking about oh boy <laughs> so so billy joel yeah because like with billy joel he's very much like he's 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 trying to play it like smooth and cool all the time. Oh, yeah. That's his default mode. And the problem is, even when he's emoting, he's trying to do that same voice. Now, watching this, I know this is supposed to take place in the 80s. And I mean, it's supposed to be contemporary. But, like, as you watch it back, you don't think... It, here's the thing. For the most part, it doesn't feel dated. At least for me, it doesn't feel dated. Except Billy Joel it only felt dated like one good time for me when that guy with the boom box walks by yeah. and i was like oh okay. that's <laughs> what do you do you, okay extra points if you know i can't i was listening trying to figure out what the boom box was was saying oh, and it song? sounded like something like fast lanes fuck up fuck up wait we could wait wait <laughs> actually let me look that up actually what was playing in that box portion. Of- I wish you could Google it. I have no idea. I wasn't paying that much attention because I was trying to figure out whether the movie came out in the 80s or the 90s without looking it up because I remember watching it as a kid and so the guy with the boombox walked by and I was like, oh, 80s. <laughs> <laughs> that that answers a question. Um. So yeah, inevitably though, they just meet up. They work together kind of to get um some uh, a line of sausages from uh, uh, what of, was it's links of, Link of sausages. Thank you. From the character had a name, uh, Louis. Louis. That's right. So they get Louis because uh, uh, and Dodger. Dodger gets gets away with the the the, the sausage links before um, Oliver has a chance to sort of break away. And then of course Dodger's like, "Oh yeah, so by the way, I'm just taking them all. Goodbye," and rides off on a construction thing. Cue uh, the next song in the movie as Dodger. Basically shows that he can just get away from Oliver easily, but also show off a lot and completely halt New York traffic by getting dogs to march down the street. I like this song. I do like the song. The song is great, but it's it, this part's just really funny to me because just that shot at the end of all the dogs strutting down the street together. I love the whole like aesthetic of it all. There's like a point where I wanted to really believe, even though I don't really think it's true, but I want to really believe that Dodger stole the sausages. And then was making his way away from Oliver on purpose to see if the kid could make it to his hideout as a test. Because that's what I think like a thieves guild would do or it's, something like that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, that's perfect, too. Like, um, that's kind of the impression. I doubt I it, but I really like the idea. Of it. <laughs> I, one of the cool things I... I mean, in, in a more Dickensian sense, that probably would, if it was, if it was like proper Oliver twist, that's probably what would have happened, you know? Mm-hmm. 
you know, oh yeah, this is a test to see if you can join Fagin's gang, you know, that kind of thing. That would, because, you know, he did show up and everyone seemed to like be really cool enough to play a prank on him initially. So it makes me want to believe that, oh, hey, it's not completely unexpected that this has happened. He's got a big collection of dogs. So they got to come from somewhere. <laughs> right. Do you think Dodger collected them all? Do you think Dodger's sort of the, he said he does, does seem kind of like the alpha dog in this whole situation, but you got to wonder. Um, the one thing I like about the song, Why Should I Worry is, and you really realize this, is that Dodger really knows New York. Like he really knows his way around the city. This, yeah. is, this is not just his home. It's his playground. And I don't know. There's something that always kind of fascinated me when um, when someone has that close of a relationship with their town or uh-huh. their hometown, like in a story. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like it, it again, the whole thing feels like a love letter to New York City. Um, because it is a love letter. To New York City. It really is a love letter to New York City. It's and honestly, in terms of like um, a place to move for a like, I mean, Oliver Twist takes place in like a really like. It's poverty-stricken Dickensian England. Uh, New York City isn't terribly that uh, bad of a choice to move it to. Yeah. And it's like, it's again, it's kind of like, uh, th- they say the same thing for both L.A. and New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Mm-hmm. So Dodger can absolutely make it here. The part of the song that always sticks with me is the visual of him sitting on that piano that's being lifted and, and playing the keys of his tail well, well, as he sings. It's, it's Billy Joel. If you don't have a piano part I know. Like Billy Joel, well, that's, why, <laughs> that's why I brought it up, because it's great. It's a great little bit, you know? It's kind of like, if Billy Joel doesn't sing in this, there's something wrong with this movie. <laughs> why would you get Billy Joel if he's not going to sing a song? Well, why would you Which worry? is surprising, because it's like the only song he sings proper in the film yeah i mean here but to be to be honest though there's there's for the runtime there's a fair amount of songs and everybody who's kind of a featured voice in this gets at least one song billy joel's got this song huey lewis got huey lewis got the first song well Huey lewis doesn't do a voice but he just no i mean like you know what i mean like the people they cast they they didn't they they didn't waste their talent that's for sure no they didn't yeah um because uh and then Oliver just kind of follows him to uh, where his hangout is. And this is where we meet the rest of the gang. Oh, real quick. Oh, uh, cameo. This is fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, much like other dog movies, uh, there's a there's a brief shot where you see three dogs uh, that are uh, Jock, Trusty, and Peg from Lady and the Tramp. Which was awesome to see. And then <laughs> Pongo, of course. Appears. And Pongo. Yeah, and then Pongo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I kept... Looking out to see if I could see Lady and or Tramp, but I, I think they they did a good job just having it be sort of the support character dogs from from that uh, from that movie. Also, uh, weird little moment where there's some rats around a, a uh, soup can fire. <laughs> Didn't one yeah. of them have a cigar? I think. Yep. Saw. Yep. <laughs> like it tries to be super realistic in its interpretations of how a dog might go about doing this, and then they have these rats that just sort of break the universe laws. To a little degree. Yeah. But, uh, don't they have thumbs? So, uh. Uh, um, also, uh, this is just my, this is my head cannon, but when he jumps on that, that, uh, Volkswagen Beetle and scares the lady driving, I'm like, oh, look, it's Janine from, <laughs> from, from Ghostbusters. From Ghostbusters. <laughs> it kind of looks like her. It does kind of look like her. I'm not gonna lie. Um, jeez. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, we- they're in New York. 
maybe while all this was happening secretly in the background, uh, Gozu the Traveler was making his arrival on the... <laughs> well, that happened earlier, because Ghostbusters came out in nineteen eighty. Maybe that's why dogs can talk yes. and do... Well, yeah. they don't talk to people. Yes, but that's Maybe really that's why dogs... Because now there's been a portal opened between... Demen- uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Back on track. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, you you were starting to segue us to Fagin's hideout on yeah. the boat. And we get introduced to uh, other dogs. Um, we have uh, Tito uh, the Chihuahua, voiced by Cheech Marin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we the- have... Oh, Should we just go through who all the other dogs are first before we start sort of singling yeah, them out? Yeah, because I because let me let's be honest, I have some are more important than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I have things to say about Tito. Tito? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Randy knows what I'm talking about. It's been forever, but I remember thinking very fondly of the character, and now as a 30 year old man, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, okay, so we got a Great Dane um, uh, uh, named Einstein. He's kind of not that bright. And then... Um, we have a bulldog. Francis the Bulldog, who uh, loves the arts and is appreciative of Shakespeare, which is funny because Shakespeare's kind of raunchy. He just sounds... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this is uh, true. And then uh, Rita, uh, who is the only female dog, because why not? Uh she doesn't really have much of a personality. Or a role, other than to say something sassy or quick yeah, something real basically, quick. basically just to be sassy. And to be someone's gateway furry. <laughs> oh, certainly. I know that for a fact looking at it like. Yeah, her, 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 the hair on it's, her. Well, I, you've been recently obsessed with that. Um, well, uh, that's because I love. Well, because of the animation. The animation's great, but also because um, the way that they compose the song for it is really catchy. I like it better than the original. So there's that. There's an animated um, furry video <laughs> set to. Um, uh, Kesha's Die Young, and what? this was from, like, by the way, this came out, like, five years ago, though, but it's really, oh, okay. it's really good. Kayla found it just recently and has been watching it a lot and sharing it with me, and uh, the animation is really good. I think the animator who's doing that is now doing a has-been hotel. Yeah, she is. Okay. And it now, here's the thing. I'm not into furry stuff. Like, you know this about me. It's just, this, this song, first of all, is really catchy, and it's just... The animation is way too... It's, like, really good. It's, like, weirdly I, too There's good. a lot of very talented furries out there. I'm not yeah. a furry, but I work very closely with the furry community as far as, like, my audience and yeah. the art I make. And I think that is home to some very talented people. Well, my, my, like, brother, my brother is also <laughs> a, a furry artist, so, like, I understand. Like, honestly, I don't have anything against furries. No, no. Never, I never have. Uh, it's just, I just, I look at a character like this, I, and I, I immediately, my brain went to the, the character from, um, from that video that you were watching. Oh, she does and I, look like There's her. a little bit of a comparison just in when she's like, you know, you know, batting her eyelashes and like swinging around her head in a confident fashion. And, and the way like, her hair moves. And the way her hair moves. And she's got that like 80s, like glam, kind of glam puff hair to it. Yeah. And I'm like, Actually, it's pretty rad. Yeah, just. But I'm, I'm. There's bound to be someone who looked at that dog and went, "Yeah, I'm a furry now." Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> People have their sexual awakenings through all sorts of things. It's funny. Like, I know it. A lot of people. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of people. It's like, oh, when did your first furry awakening? A lot of people I hear say it's Robin Hood. 
and Robin uh, Hood. I get a lot of Leomon with the people I talk to. Leomon. Oh my god. Ah, which I kind of get. I get. And I'll be I honest, I had like a twinge when I was a kid for the beast. I ain't gonna lie about it. No, beast is like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you 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 have a you have a penchant for um orcs. for for orcs and other monstrous monstrous men. So it's great. I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we don't judge on anime things. No, we don't, we don't shame. <laughs> but but um but yeah, sorry. So we have all these dogs. Uh, uh, no, do no. we want to pause to talk about some of them? Because we already kind of talked about. We need to talk about Tito. I'm sorry, but we need to talk about Tito. First off. <laughs> Um, I discovered this this uh, movie actually ha- has a drinking game with it. I, I have come up with a drinking game. Take a shot ev- or drink every time Tito says man. <sighs> yeah, he says man, like, no kidding, man. And, like, I think, like, I, I even counted it. There was a- one point I'm like, David, he said the word man, like, six times in one minute. Which I'm not surprised by. Like, I want to say that of all the characters that felt really subdued, Throughout the film, Tito seemed to be the only one that had any personality that I could define clearly. Yeah. I just didn't think it was a good one. <laughs> is it bad, though, that, like, even after all this, I mean, Tito is still the most memorable character, and I still kind of like Tito. Like, he's, like, a character. I th- because, I th- again, look at her. <laughs> because I, mean, I, just, I, I, I feel like, I feel like she... I don't know for sure, but I feel like Cheech Marin was having a ton of fun with the part. I think he was, too. I think that what bothered me was the just... Um, cause like I'm watching it and I'm having fun, but he's a little uh, bit of a stereotype, ha- more like a lot of bit of a stereotype. Which isn't even all that uncommon considering Cheech Marin and, uh, <laughs> what he does, the characters that he used to portray. Like he, he played that stuff up and right. it was what he was known for. Well, I know we talked about some stuff like this before on, with, uh, on anime music and also on Song of the South, but like at what point is it? caricature and at one point is it like genuinely like racist stereotype? Well I look I say it was caricature until that cat fell into the room and he screamed gang war, gang yeah. war, everybody down. <laughs> and I was like, oh my <laughs> You know if they had taken that line out he he probably would have been fine for the rest of yeah. the movie. That yeah that kind of threw David and I back too. We were like wait did he just Yeah say- I looked at Kayla like did he just say gang war? <laughs> I mean, and it is it's something that you could even think about. They're a group of thieving dogs that do what they can for their master that's, that owes money to someone very powerful. It sounds like something that could be said in-universe, but you don't hear that bit. What you hear is a Mexican stereotype screaming gang war. Yeah. You know? uh, now, well, here's... The- not to mention, not to mention uh, Tito is the one who um, hotwires everything. I thought that too. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> By the way, um, so and again, I, again, he's uh, sorry. Just, Go ahead. Just letting this is kind of like a little fact. Uh, Cheech Marin actually was they did encourage him to improv quite a bit, and but he said like seventy five percent of it was off script, where like the other twenty five percent is him improv improving. Uh huh. So I don't know what he improved versus. Did he yell that? I okay. Now, um, I had to look this up because I'm like, he says "man" quite a bit, and that's a very Californian thing to do. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine them writing that in the script. Yeah. Uh, Cheech Marin was born in L.A. Like, yeah, he, that, he was born and raised. In no, LA. that makes that makes sense to me. I mean, knowing Cheech Marin, I actually think it's interesting because, like, they're they're called. I mean, they're 
they're he's a caricature because he's also he's a chihuahua so they're gonna <laughs> well that's another thing uh a lot of what they I, when you when i read up on it, it the dogs are actually based off the stereotypes of those dogs so like um where with great danes they tend to be um a, like sweet natured but kind of dumb that's why they made einstein like that uh with uh Chihuahuas, they're very they're loud and hyper, hyper, hyper and yeah. they're like, let's make him like that. Um, is, is that why, like, when uh, Roscoe and DeSoto come in, I can't help but think they were coated black. Roscoe is actually performed by a black man. Okay, I was wondering if it was like a coat; they were coated that way, or both are played by like or, 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 both are played by black men. But uh, I don't know if that was intentional or not. I I don't know. I think. I, I'm, I'm with, I'm kind of with you though, because I was getting, I was getting that vibe from them. You know, the, like, the, I don't know, like it seems like not so much like a stereotype, because you know they're played by black guys. Black guys are gonna throw their thing in, and it makes sense. I just yeah. couldn't help but feel like with the design of the character, it sort of felt like they were supposed to be like these, you know, like high but also low level grunt characters come in to enforce some stuff. Yeah. And they felt very like black to me. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, also, uh, Francis is voiced by a black man as well, which I, oh. yeah, that kind of surprised me. I didn't. Francis. Yeah. <laughs> I think I wrote in my notes. Let me say, yeah, I wrote, why is this bulldog me? <laughs> <laughs> also, why is this Dane me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, everybody could relate to the great Dane. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no, I think it's, it's important to mention. Cause like, I don't, here's the thing. I don't like, like, okay. How, like, okay. In Tito's case though, how is like, how much can you forgive it? Cause I, I'm prepared to just because the rest of it's not completely terrible, but yeah, I, you know what? It, Cause the, that, we, again, we have been through way, way worse on this show. We, like, we, I don't think it's awful. I still I enjoy know. the, um, the character and I get the, like what the actor was doing and like, it's not like Tito's ever a bad person per se. No, no. He, he's not. Tito, Tito's probably my second favorite character in this. Let's, I'll be honest. Wait, who's your favorite? I'll get to that. Oh, oh wait, I have an idea who it is, but okay. It's yeah. coming. I have an idea who my favorite is, but I'm just really gay. So I don't know if it counts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, Randy, it could be you and I have the same favorite character. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so basically Oliver drops, um, in, and I did like him, it is, I, I hope this was a line improvised by, uh, Chief Mary, but him saying, hi, it's an alien! <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, it was a cat, um, oh, before that, cause Dodger, how that leads up to it is that Dodger brings them hot, the hot dog links, and they're like, hey, we don't starve tonight! And, um, uh, he's telling this, like, tall tale... Of like that's so unbelievable about him, like cat monster, a monstrous cat, yeah, dangerous feline, and um, that's it. it just happens to be perfect timing that Oliver drops in, and they're like, uh, I like that Dodger just kind of just plays it chill, like he just was like, yeah, I'm just gonna lay on this couch and pretend like nothing happened. Yeah, just, <laughs> just just he doesn't how he handles it is just like eh, I'll ignore it and just watch the game. With sunglasses on at night. Dodger is too cool. Dodger wears his sunglasses at night so he can, so he can. Um, so yeah, Oliver, they're like, 
they're they're introduced that like they they warm up to Oliver pretty quick. Like I don't again, I think Dodger turns it around. They all turn it around and suddenly he's been accepted in a matter of minutes into this group. But definitely the, the, the thing that sinks it is when, uh, Fag- Fagan shows up. And Fagan is voiced by, uh, New Yorker, uh, Dom DeLuise, and... Didn't he used to be that chef on TV? No, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you... Dom DeLuise, um, is, uh, this is his first Disney film. I don't know if he actually does any other Disney films outside of this, but... I commonly uh, associate Dom DeLuise with Don Bluth, so. Oh, yeah, he's been in a lot of... Uh, Don Bluth pictures, like he. I, I mainly associate Don DeLuise with Christopher Columbus. <laughs> oh, oh, fair, right. fair, fair. Oh my god. But he was also because he was scratchy in um or itchy. Sorry, he was itchy in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, he was Tiger in um uh, uh American, American Tale. Tale as well as Five Goes West. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh Jeremy the Crow in um uh, The Secret, Secret of Nim. Uh, he's just like. And then, of course, because I'm the, this is how I grew up. I also know him from a lot of Mel Brooks films, like yeah. like Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs. Oh my and, God! Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. And uh, Ju- Julius Caesar in um, uh, History of the World Part One, because that's my life. He's the he's the isn't he the director the director oh, of uh, the French Mistake in Blazing Saddles? He is. <laughs> yeah, he's the director in Blazing Saddles. Oh man! Uh, no. You haven't seen Blazing Saddles, dear listener. You need to get on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Stop, stop this podcast. Go watch that. <laughs> and it, today on Anime Music Plus, we get back together and talk about Blazing Saddles because it's that good. <laughs> it's not even an anime. It's not even animation. It might as well be. It's so good. Anyway, I'm sorry. I have to rail us forever. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. But it's- um, I mean, Dom, <laughs> uh, Dom DeLuise. It's like I think they did go after him because he's. Uh, he was born in uh, in recent, like in New York. He actually was born. You can tell, uh-huh. like you can clearly tell based on how he speaks. I actually really like the moment where he comes in and they all tackle him and That's they send endearing. the dog bones. the The part that sticks in my brain from my childhood is the part where you see that where all the dog bones went after they collapsed. Tito's got all of them in his mouth. He's whacking his tail like crazy, and uh, in the background you hear just Fagin going like, "No, no." <laughs> <laughs> But he's just having, you can tell, those dogs love him. Yeah. And then Fagin's this kind of, like, obviously scroungy character who kind of just, because uh, he owes a lot of money to a guy named Sykes. Like, a lot of money to a guy named Sykes. We never find out why he owes money to Sykes, but we, we, assume- could, it could, we could certainly assume from subtext in the film if we want to. Mm-hmm. From subtext, it's gambling. I think it's it's gambling. Because of that bit at the end. Oh yeah, because he there like uh there is a point at the end where he bets money and he's like, oh look at the time. Um, and that's that makes the most sense in terms of everything. Fagin's um, got a gambling problem. Yeah. Oh man. Um, they certainly seem way more charitable to uh, Fagin in this movie than in a certain novel I may or may not have read when I was fifteen. To be fair, I liked, I, I liked, uh, keep in mind, um, the last time I saw anything related to the original Oliver Twist was the, the, was the stage, stage Oliver, musical Oliver. With an exclamation point. Yeah. And I like Fagin's character in that. He's mm. got a great song, you know, but this is a uh, He was not treated well in no, <laughs> Dickens' novel. No, <laughs> no not, not at all. At all. <laughs> he's given, he's given a lot more leeway here. He's, he's, you're, you're kind, he's kind of, 
he's kind of a he's a he's a flawed character, but you you kind of sympathize with him. Yeah, there's he's, he he takes care of those dogs. He basically yeah, adopts like he's Oliver. A, like a character you want to root for. Is what yeah. He um, and then you get to see Sykes for the first time, and the, the one problem with well, this... before we see Sykes, we see uh, Roscoe and DeSoto, oh, his Dobermans. Yeah. They come, which I think look great. They do. I love they are, the way they, they look. They are so menacing looking, and no, they're they're they. Um, I love the my, I love the bit where um, was it Roscoe who kicks over the TV and goes there. I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> like the um, expressions that they got, like everything about them screams charisma for some reason i love it now these 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 dobermans have like a metric ton of like menacing cool fun villain menacing energy Mm -hmm. you know like Like, i wish they were in the movie more yeah yeah i do too yeah so i mean we get a we get we haven't gotten to the part yet where they they where um oliver scratches the nose right that's that that comes later that comes later that happens like just right when um at the end of it yeah, that comes near the end. The scene, I mean. Right now... Um, right, Sykes... Uh, first of all, Fagin goes up on the pier, and we see Sykes' car. He's got... That's one of the most... That's the most iconic thing about Sykes is his car. Yeah. They make the big show of the car. It pans around. It's got... It's actually got a hood ornament of two Dobermans. It, it actually says Doberman on the license plate. This guy loves his dogs. <laughs> you can oh, hit, he say adores- what you want about Sykes. Uh, he loves his. He loves his dogs. They look well cared for. But I would hope that they are, because you never know. They're well-trained. You you know, later they establish that, that the most deadly thing that, that Sykes can do is snap his fingers. Mm-hmm. But Sykes is like this, like, bigger, balding guy with glasses who smokes expensive cigars and does everything out of his car. A, a lot of the subtext suggests, like, this guy... Is like a mob boss or something. I I suspect. I was under the impression that he was a rather powerful loan shark. Uh, yeah, because there's actually a point later on where you hear him on the phone, and he's like, "No, put some on the shoes." Like he's talking. And you're like, <laughs> he's telling someone how to whack a guy. And yeah, like, he is. <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god!" I feel like he probably in an earlier story, like during that grittier, like when they were trying to make it more grittier, he probably was more developed as this gritty, like, powerful man, rich man, low shark guy. We we get established later. I know we're, we're kind of bouncing all over the place with this movie, but it's not very long, which is helpful, and we're kind of, we'll, we'll kind of do that. I mean, we're going to do that quite a bit. But it's established later he owns, like, a shipping warehouse and at least one, like, um cargo freighter, right? Yeah. He's got a model of it in his office, and I wonder if he's not just a loan shark, but if he deals in, like, shipping and maybe he ships illegal substances maybe he's in narcotics or something you know that would make a lot of sense because he seems like he doesn't have enough i want to say security for someone that i imagine to be like a boss because they can literally just walk up and ring his doorbell and be like hey can we talk yeah so i don't know like i wouldn't say that i thought he was like all powerful like a boss in the city but i believe that he is a person that commands some respect in his community Mm-hmm. Right, but yeah, he might you might be the person you talk to to solve a problem. He's got. I imagine he has goons who just aren't like, oh, they're they're at home with their kids tonight. Whatever, I can <laughs> take. He's, well, he's <laughs> he has goons. He's talking to one of them on the phone later in the the scene in the warehouse. But um, but mostly it's just him and his two Dobermans. Yeah, that base. I feel like he probably either that or he's just got like balls on him. You're like he doesn't. Yeah. Have to, well, well, you know? this is, well, I mean, I'll, you want to you want to talk about Sykes having balls. <laughs> Uh, 
I mean, oh, sorry, I forgot. I don't know if this is like the nice podcast. I don't know if like that's we, a thing. We I should... haven't sworn, so we're okay. <laughs> we're I think okay. we're fine. This the, is PG. The, this is a PG podcast. The, the, the thing, the thing with this right now, um, and I, I've noticed this. We're technically in the dark ages still of Disney, and um, due to the content and uh, what gets discussed, and then a lot of the subtext, we've had to make a couple of these uh, episodes explicit. And That's not the case here so much, but we are dealing with some some themes here. So I've been trying not to swear, but I just like said that. I was like, "Is that too much?" No, 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 no say look, balls. Ball, look, balls. We're talking about anatomy. It's fine. Yeah, that's that's it's fine. fine. Uh, but yeah, so Sykes um tells Fagan like, "Hey, listen, you're you just owe me the money." Uh, I'm going to give you three days to give me the money. Uh, there's a neat little bit of plant here where that I thought was funny where Fagan breaks off, uh, Sykes's, uh, he's yes. trying to, he's standing between the edge of the car and like the edge of the pier that they're on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's trying not to fall off and he grabs, um, Sykes, um, rear view mirror and breaks it off. Um, and they call back to it later. In the they do. They, yeah. Remember that. Cause they call back to it when he, he accidentally breaks the same rear view mirror off the model of Sykes's car. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Fagan has three days to get the money that he owes Sykes. <laughs> three sunrises, three sunsets. <laughs> well, three, that's five, five, nine, nine. He's like, no, you have the full length of Majora's mask to bring me my money. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I wanna, as soon as that window closed, like I could see a YouTube poop doing that. Like, you know, no Fagan three. <laughs> Dawn of the first day, 72 hours. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, oh. This is, but this is where Oliver scratches Roscoe or DeSoto's nose, right? It happens like he's, he beeps the horn and then they're like, oh, they find the cat. But they, yeah. Rita's trying to get them to leave and, they, he corners Oliver, and Oliver just just takes a swipe at him as a cat does. And oh, yeah, that's another thing I really want to commend. I wrote in my notes too that Oliver is very much animated like an actual cat. Oh yeah. Uh, like it's a little exaggerated, but I feel like he was the most realistic animal in the movie. Yes, that's that's a good point. I for oh I forgot to mention uh, the voice actor for Oliver. It's Joey Lawrence. This is like 12-year-old Joy Lawrence. Oh, I feel bad then because I didn't like it. <laughs> His voice acting. Well, he's, like a, he's a kid. He's a kid. Eh. <laughs> eh, okay, okay. There are kid actors who can do amazing performances, but, you know, again, I don't blame him. I think he suffers from the same problem a lot of the other voice actors did in this one, just the direction. But again, I think some voice actors really stand out. Again, Cheech Marin is Tito. I actually do really like, again, Roscoe and DeSoto. Yeah, um, I think Dom, uh, Dom DeLuise is fine, but it's not his most memorable performance. No, no. Then again, Fagin's not one of his most memorable characters either. Let's, I mean, let's be real. Like the movie tries to get you to care about him a lot, but you're not really there for Fagin, even no, though you're there for the cute cat and the and the. They the, give him a clutch moment though, and I don't know how I feel about that in the movie. But we'll get there. Okay, yeah, let's put that in your hat, and we'll we'll get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, after after the gang comes to Oliver's defense, um, Sykes honks his horn. The dogs leave. Um, uh, Fagin comes back, and he notes, and he when he when they when he finally finds Oliver, he's talking about how I saw Desoto's nose. Who did that? And he's immediately the cat has immediately endeared himself to Fagin for that. 
And, uh, <laughs> to, to the rest of the gang, too, to be fair. And consider yourself at, at home. home. <laughs> <laughs> I, that had to come at some point. Yeah. Um, and then they read a child, like a dog kid's book. I... About dogs? About it was about a rabbit, wasn't it? It was about yeah, Sparky, 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 Sparky and Bumper. This, I, it almost feels like they're reading this. The, the, he feels like he's reading the script to an Animaniacs episode. <laughs> and um, they all comfortably go to sleep in Little Shack, and then, uh, and then it kills me with that cute scene that I refuse to watch ever again as an adult because I almost cried. Oh, with where Oliver goes and snuggles up to Dodger. Yeah, I was like, why do I have emotions for this? <laughs> this has been just okay. But I really like felt it in my heart when he snuggled up to him. Aww. Aww. It, it, it was cute. It's a, yeah, it's a sweet moment. There is, there, there's, there is there ha- kind of nice friendship between them. It's The problem is, I, I wish, in a weird way, I wish the movie was a little longer so we could have some time established where they get to know each other a little better. This is kind of a beat to beat to beat to beat movie. I think yeah, like, this whole movie happens over the course of like two or three days. So yeah, that's it. There's yeah, like, like no like, time to build up on it. No, exactly. Cause I mean, on that point, the very next day, they're like, Fagan is out in his scooter with the whole gang in it saying, saying we have two days no, to get, three, we, we have no, cause I think, I think Sykes counted that day. No, I, Fagin said two days. Did you say two? I thought so. I don't remember. Well, anyway, he says, we only have this many days to get Sykes off our back, so you're going to go out, we're going to send everybody out to just scrounge the city for whatever we can salvage for money. And uh, they're all out, and um, uh, they're going to show Oliver the ropes. By the way, um, uh, Rita sings a song. I love her only song. shining moment in the film. Really, yeah, yeah. Rita needed more moments. This song should have—they should have done the whole song. I, okay, so it's not the whole song. I'm it not is crazy. not. It is not. No. Okay. I and I know this because I love this song. I genuinely really catchy. Uh, is this your favorite song in the movie? Absolutely. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So it's sang by Ruth Pointer, who is one of the Pointer sisters. Mm-hmm. And oh. yeah, and uh, I actually really so one of the songs I really like um, growing up was Neutron Dance. Like that song is my Neutron Dance was my like it kind of still is at times is my productive um, uh, song. Like whenever I wrote essays, I would listen to that because it's such a fast pace and it got me going. And nice, so I yeah. Type, I started typing faster and working faster. <laughs> um, uh, this is just a really catchy, totally 80s, fun song. And the if you can find listen to the whole song, you can find it on YouTube. It's really good. There's there's even like a, a saxophone uh, solo just to put in that 80s cheese. Um... I really like in uh, the only in terms of like its importance to the film. It's not that important. There is actually a cool part though. That's an interest, a great callback where uh, in the beginning uh, Oliver gets chased by like those like the mangy dog, and that mangy dog actually comes back, and all of the dogs actually they do that thing where they bob their heads, brave and bold, <laughs> and bark at and they bark at him, and then they. Uh, and actually, Oliver parks at the dog. Oh, that was cute. Yeah, it and was. It, it's kind of like, hey, we got your back. We, I, you, this guy's not going to bother you anymore. Yeah. 
So it's, uh, yeah, no, no, that song, it's, that's only half the song. There's actually a lot more. Wow. That explains a lot. Cause it felt like, Oh, I like this. I remember this part. And I remember the part when the song stopped when I was younger, but I don't remember it ever being that abrupt. And I was like, this feels like the song's not over. And I was expecting it to like pick up again. And then it didn't. I was like, okay, odd choice. <laughs> it is. I didn't even think about it, but you're, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, so limousine, they, they see a limousine they and they're like, heck yeah, we're going to totally steal the stereo out of this limousine. And I believe that is what I wrote. Of course, the Mexican dog wires <laughs> and steals cars. Tito, you're going to go in there and, and, and get the stereo. So, but they, they make a whole show out of it. So we briefly cut into there. We're introduced to uh, Jenny and Winston. Winston is the butler and Jenny is the, is our, this is the penny. Of yeah. this movie. Jenny is this, like, little girl who's uh, reading a letter from her parents, her rich, rich parents who are traveling, but don't have enough time to be there for her birthday. Why? I have no idea. Because you know, it's because the I, 80s. We make and a they, lot of They would make a lot of money <laughs> doing something. Yeah. We, do, we, we, we never, never find out what they do, but they're abroad. They're in France. Well, they're, cl- like, this is, uh, later you see it, it's like, oh, she's clearly a Park Avenue child. Yeah. Like. Um, where is she? This is in the morning. Where is she? I, I think she might be. Are we sure it's morning? Could it be afternoon? It could be. Well, I mean, they get dropped off in the morning. There's no telling how long, how much time has passed since the day began because musical numbers are screwy like that. Yeah, so that's true. They could have spent literally all morning singing down the street like that. <laughs> this could be Jenny being picked up from school, like it, being brought home from school. That's what it looks like because she's wearing her school uniform. Oh, that's right. Okay. And so why does she take the bus to go to school then? She also takes the bus back later. That's a good point. You and see but, her get off then, the bus. But, but this time she gets picked up by the by the, her limousine her limousine and uh her butler what what is Okay, Winston like read the letter before he gave it to her and was like, you know what'll make her feel good flexing on her schoolmates? Let's do that today. <laughs> Rolls in. <laughs> Jenny. By the way, your parents can't be here, but uh, we look really good today. <laughs> oh, bye. She has, and she has no idea that he's doing this, but like, as the kids watch her get in the limo, Winston looks out the window and like waggles his eyebrows and then rolls the window up and they drive off. <laughs> That's so awful. I feel bad that I even said it. <laughs> uh, but. They got a whole plan. Like, the dogs have a whole plan, and Francis goes to get hit by a car. This is a laugh-out-loud funny moment for me yeah. as a kid. The, oh, oh, oh. I love it. Oh, it's so good. And he's like, oh my gosh, you terrible person. Like, what? Like, Immediately. Didn't, like, someone call him out, like, how dare you? He didn't see the dog. They're in New York. <laughs> yeah. Plus, they also stopped in the middle of the street to deal with this dog. So many people back behind him. There should have been, like, a chorus of honks. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, while they're dis- while he's distracted, Oliver and Tito go in. Tito's just trying to do his thing. Oliver's spotting. And then, um, what happened? Oh, yeah. Uh, does Oliver see something back there? Oliver steps on something, and oh. it causes the wire to go. Well, doesn't he land on, like, the keys that it turns yeah, on? Yeah, I think he does. Because uh, he's freaking out because, like, the back the back window is lowering to the back of the limo. And then um, Tito... <laughs> Tito gets electrocuted and, like, sh- sh- shocked out of the limo and 
Oliver ends up in the back seat with oh, no, no, Jenny. No, no, no. Jenny looks forward and she sees Oliver caught in the, one of the wires. Of oh, that's right. The radio that's they right. almost got that stereo out. They're I got to hand it to Tito. He almost had that stereo out. I like that nobody questioned, like neither Jenny or Winston questioned, like how did this cat get in here? Why is our stereo nearly pulled out? Yeah, they never talk about the stereo being mostly <laughs> Why disconnected. Why is our radio? Jesus. Oh, Why is this cat caught here? What What is this cat doing here? But yeah. Of course, you know, as you do when you find a cute kitten. Yeah, she's like, it's and um, It's just a cute kitten. I want it. And, and I'm rich, so I'm going to have it. It's my cat now. So I, I you know, to Jenny, Jenny doesn't really have a character either. She's just kind of the bland. I'm a really cute, innocent little girl. Yeah. We don't really know what her ambitions are, but she's eight. So, I mean, or she's... I mean, she's a little girl. I mean, I forgot what her name was the majority of the movie, and I was just calling her Little Blue Eyes. Ha 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 ha. She looks a little bit like uh, like Wendy of Wendy's. If you think about it. <laughs> if she let her hair down, put it in pigtails, because oh she's blue eyes, red hair. I didn't think about that, but you're right. She does. That's what... Oh, my God. Her name is Jenny. Her name is Jenny, but that's because it's a pseudonym. She's in a witness protection program. Her parents are actually... Uh, her parents are actually related to uh, David, David Thomas. It's, oh it's, it's, it's Ronald McDonald and... <laughs> um, I'm trying to think uh, of another company. A company mascot. Like a female company mascot. Her dad know. is Colonel Sanders. <laughs> um, but yeah, they take... they uh, She she goes off with... She takes Oliver with them and they go and the dogs are like, where's Oliver? And Tito's like, I think he's still in the car. They kidnapped him. They kidnapped him. We gotta, we gotta get him back. I love how you immediately went into Tito's accent saying it. I don't know if you were <laughs> conscious of it. I did. No, I was. I was like, should I do this? But I really want to. Because <laughs> he's so, his voice is so like memorable. You like you can't say any of these lines without almost going right into no. it. I'm definitely gonna do one line in Tito's voice later oh, that I, I know really exactly enjoy. what you were gonna. Um, but yeah, they end up at Park Avenue, or at least um, it's, it's Fifth Avenue technically. I say Park Avenue because that's the term that's. We used. do see the uh, we do see the address on um, Oliver's collar yeah, later. Yeah, but yeah, the Fifth Avenue is still like that's East Egg. That's rich neighborhood. Yeah, that's true. They're 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 in like a uh, they're in like their own like house. They have their own like block house. It's oh pretty. yeah. yeah um, I wasn't sure if it was like. A narrow home with a bunch of floors, but then the inside always looked really big. So I wasn't sure if that was they had more space than I thought they did. Does that does that count as a penthouse? I kind of I I don't know. I think it's just a TARDIS. It's just bigger on the inside. <laughs> like it might just be continuity, but it like bugged me for a good majority of the film. I'm with you. It's huge. That house is huge, especially when you especially some of the rooms you see later. New York's interesting because because it is such a small city. Or it's uh, like it's it's basically everything's on an island. Um, like uh, rich people tend to own penthouses, right? So it, it's not like a typical mansion. It is it's like, but it is kind of rare to see like a uh, like a built like it's on a cor- street corner too, and it's the whole the whole building, as far as I can tell, just belongs to that family. So okay, I was not sure if it was like the whole building or if it's like um, you know when you walk into a place that has, like, a bunch of townhomes and they're stacked next to each other, so all the homes are really narrow. Well, yeah, I'm saying the, the corner... I'm, I'm with you. I think it's just the corner house, but it's a really nice corner house. Yeah. That's why I think it's a penthouse. I okay. think that's the term. I think it's called a penthouse. Like, it belongs... Correct to the, us if we're wrong. We're not We're not from New York, yeah, so... It, it, I'm not either, if, <laughs> so any, I don't know. <laughs> any New York, if there's any New Yorkers who's listening... Any New Yorkers, help us out. Um, 
But they they enter and uh, we get introduced. Wait, 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 wait. Right. Before I I, I want to save this moment. This is a moment that's important. But okay. first, first thing that happens is uh, Winston's like, I'm gonna call um, the parents to make sure it's okay. Or oh, no, he hasn't done that yet, has he? No, he hasn't. No, the very first thing he does is he goes to wake up Georgia. Yes. This is both your favorite characters. <laughs> this is my favorite character in the whole movie. I mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, look at her. You, she, you, she's she has her own room. It's the biggest room in the house, as far as I can tell. It's bigger than Jenny's, which is it's funny. Easily bigger than Jenny's room. And she's voiced by Bette Midler, which which it's amazing. I, I I love Bette Midler in almost anything. Whenever she, even if the movie is terrible, I know I'm going to get a good performance out of her because. She's just so fun. Like she's always, yeah. she always makes me laugh. Uh, by the- is it sad that every time I hear Bette Midler's name, all I could hear is is Oprah going Bette Midler, and then like in the middle of it, putting a yelling goat, you know, Bette Midler. <laughs> um, I have a friend who is a drag queen here in Columbus, and uh, she loves to do performances to Bette Midler songs on occasion. Nice. So like, I'm very used to hearing it whenever I go to one of the shows. <laughs> oh, nice. Has she ever done this number that Georgette's about to do? No, no, no. Uh, I think my favorite is uh, Fever. <laughs> it's their favorite Peggy. one. Oh, yeah, because uh, there actually is an album, and I used to own this, uh, Bette Midler Sings Peggy. She actually, uh, there actually is a version where uh, Bette Midler does sing um, uh, He's a Tramp. It's a very good version. Yeah. By the way, just ran a bit of nose, uh, n- news, nose, since we were talking about dog movies. Uh. Hey, how about Janelle Monet playing um, Peg in Lady and the Tramp, the, re- the Lady and the Tramp remake? Yeah, I'm curious about this. I really <laughs> like Janelle Monet. So. I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, yeah. there's a Lady and the Tramp uh, live action remake with huh. dogs. Oh no! Oh yes, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know how I feel. But I don't know. Sometimes I like them. Sometimes I don't. I I, <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we'll see. It, it just there. It's interesting. It, I yeah. Um, back to this film. <laughs> okay. Can we can we talk? Let, let's. So, uh, we need to gush about Georgette because she's the best character in the movie. By the way, before we go, you want to know? I just learned something about this song. What? Uh, Perfect isn't easy. That she sings. Guess who wrote it? Who? Barry Manilow. Uh, I don't <laughs> know why I'm not surprised. <laughs> Like, I, I was already listening to this song, and I was like, I feel like this is, uh, this part, it sounds like a Broadway song, so I feel like this is kind of, it's, as we're writing this continuous love letter to New York, let's do a little bit of love letter to, um... Let's do a Broadway number. And it makes sense, because you got Bad Miller, also yeah. a New Yorker, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, uh, uh, perfor- like, Broadway performer, uh, singing this song, and it's very... Fun song. So fun. And yes. I mean, I love this. It, it, I, I This is like the only part of this movie that I took with me into adulthood. Because <laughs> I distinctly remember like having finals uh, in college and then finishing them and then being in the mirror like you did great. And then literally blasting the part where she goes, oh, <laughs> in the mirror. So I felt good about myself. <laughs> With that part directly in mind. (laughs) That's wonderful. It really is a good number. Like, this part is so much fun. 
Oh yeah, I love this part. It's so it's silly, and but then it's also like completely over the top. Yeah, like uh-huh. you got birds doing the can can at one point. She's walking down a spiral staircase with a big crystal chandelier in the middle. Like, yeah, makes no sense. It shouldn't be long in this house. <laughs> no, there's a certain point where I feel like it's delving into fantasy territory. She has this whole number, and then it just oh, back to the story, and then she just walks downstairs, and that's when she learns that. They've adopted a cat. By the way, uh, what the heck is, uh, it, what the heck was it that Jenny made? Something for Oliver that uh, involved like, Cuba Krispies? Something that would have killed the cat is what she made. Oh, yeah. I, I was watching them, like, whatever she would have made if this were real life would have killed that kid. I wrote it in my notes right here. <laughs> this little girl's going to kill that cat with that food. <laughs> that is one dead kitten. I mean, um, she's young. It's yeah. not like Winston's there giving advice on what she should feed the cat. It's so she's like giving him whipped cream and cookies and stuff. But Georgia eats chocolate in her bedroom. So I don't know if this family knows how they're, to take care of pets. They're, they're dog bonbons. They gotta be, they must be safe for Georgia to eat. I was, I, I like, I know there's dog chocolate out there. Like, doglet? Well, like, I mean, they've made dog ice cream too. True, so true, true. They, like, I, I mean, I know it's the 80s, but. Wait a minute. <laughs> Do you think the reason. Part of the reason um, Jenny's parents are super rich is because they're like they have Georgette, and Georgette is like a national award winner. It's like six times. Yeah, she's like she's won a bunch of like this shows. is a sponsored dog. Georgette was on the cover of Time magazine. Yeah, Dog of the Year or something, right? And that's so she's not kidding okay. You and she's- what if what if they just what if there's just a bunch of dog companies that pay them excessive amounts of money? To uh have to so so Georgette can be their sponsor. She's Explains why she's got that room with that raised bed full of statues of her. So she's she's basically masterpiece. Yes, I mean I ain't mad about it. Georgette is kind of everything. Yeah, <laughs> just the uh, perfect amount of shade. <laughs> Do you know from whose bowl you're eating and whose house you're? Well, you know what? Going off that subtext. Georgette knows that she's the reason this family is wealthy. What if it? What if that's the case? But why are her parents traveling, and why isn't Georgette with? Her? Because they're travel. Because they're on vacation. Maybe this is actually a vacation or something. And they didn't bring their daughter. I don't. know. <laughs> she has school. Maybe they just don't care. They don't like she her. She has school. These are just terrible. I-, I think they actually probably are wealthy, but I think they probably have other businesses they do. But, but among she- other among the things that help keep them wealthy is having a- an award winning. Uh, a prize-winning poodle. Why do I get a feeling these parents are like, we went to Yale and Harvard, and we wear pearls around our necklace. We're basically Charlotte from uh, Sex in the City. <laughs> my husband's a lawyer, and I'm, uh, I, I drink champagne every day. What if her parents are married mediums, Frank and Sadie Doyle? <laughs> Frank and Sadie Doyle would never have No, kids. no, no. Wait, they, have a, they have a specific last name. That comes up at the end of the oh, movie. Yeah, I remember. Like Fo- Fo- uh, Foxworth. Foxworth. They're actually- the Foxworths. Which is such a- Jenny Foxworth. Such a- is it a reference to anyone in the novel? Maybe. No, I'm blanking real hard right now. Maybe. Because it's been, I'll admit, it's been a while, and I only really remember the bad parts yeah. of Oliver Twist. So I was like last night trying to think. It's all right. Does George I mean- correlate with anybody? Is like, am I supposed to know who this I, is? I feel this is only. Uh, this is so loosely based on Oliver Twist. It's, it's like, but it, it's like trying really hard to be. And honestly, the only real thing I took away was, oh, there's no dog named Charlie Bates, so they couldn't make a Master Bates joke. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> um, 
there was, um, I mean, this does track though with Oliver getting sort of swept away and adopted by a wealthy family. So I, yeah, yeah at least he doesn't get shot this time. That's true. And actually, come <laughs> to think of it, Bill Sykes doesn't beat anybody to death with a cane. True. Was that what <laughs> happened, or did he throttle someone? It was Nancy. Uh, Nancy, his uh, his maybe maybe not woman. I I forget. His she... um, I'm trying to remember. Was Sykes a pimp? N- no. I don't believe so. I think he was just a professional burglar. Oh, okay. But he, and he happened to be with uh, a woman who was a, a lady of the night. Okay, and then so Georgette he... is based off of Charlotte from Oliver Twist. Uh, okay. I don't right. remember any of those characters. It was like from the latter half of all of it when I was kind of like eyes glazing over on Yeah, shit. I do. <laughs> and, and then uh, Jenny's supposed to be like the Mr. Brownlow from Ms. Oliver Twist. Okay. So... So yeah, um, Jenny steps in right when uh, Georgette's about to lay in to Oliver about his, his place, and then mentions how mom and dad said that he can stay with he can stay with us, and she's already named him Oliver. That's how he gets his name. And then we get, mm-hmm. um, is there a break between this? Oh yeah, they they the, the there's a little there's a little break where we see the dogs commiserating about what they're going to do next, and seeing Fagin at a pawn shop trying to sell what was it a watch. That- yeah, and it like broke apart when he's trying to sell it to the guy. Yeah, and they're planning their rescue, which I think is admirable. You know, yeah. they they're under the thought that the cat's gonna get like maybe put down or tortured or something. Yeah, and it probably brings me to like the thing I hate about Oliver the most in the movie. I mean, what? Probably it brings about the part of uh, the movie where I just really hate Oliver for like ten minutes. <laughs> well, I mean. I have a different opinion about that because again, Oliver has all, all I, I, it seems weird to me that Oliver considers these people family when he's only known them for like a day. And then, and then he, but he's also only known Jenny and her people. He's known like them for even less a day. Yeah. So that, that montage makes you think that it's been at least a week, but it's only been like maybe six hours. Yeah. Somehow. That's true. That's true. We have the song. They cut back and we have the song. Here's something you were going to well, add. Here, Cause here's what I, what I think. So with the reason why. <laughs> He's a little, this is a kitten. Like, this is clearly a baby child kitten. And at one point he's like, okay, yeah, I found a family with these people. But he kind of had to also earn their trust. Jenny, unconditional love. No no questions asked. Immediately. Immediately. So, and then there's that whole cute portion where she sings um, in good company. Um, and mm-hmm. shows her, them hanging out in Central Park. You apparently people can bring their cats with them to Central Park. Win- uh, I did notice Winston is nowhere to be seen in any of these shots. Where is he? No, he is. He was. Uh, he was in a few of them. Cause, yeah, uh, yeah, because they're they're uh, sitting at the fountain. He's sitting by the fountain. Oh, that's right. He has like a like a triple scoop of ice cream, and he's like reading the paper or something. Oh, I forgot. Uh, okay, yeah. No, I find it dubious that Jenny, this was she eight, seven, she said, is rowing out in the middle of this lake with just the kitten yeah, by herself. By the way, who think? Yeah, because I'm like, who thinks to bring their cat with them around to hang around Central Park? If like, you're seven, seven you're year gonna want to bring your cat yeah, with you. I totally buy it, but okay. it's like no one would let her. No. I love that by the end of the first day, she's had this cat. She's already gotten an engraved bowl and a collar, a silver bowl with his name on it. Money. Yep. Now, I'm inclined to believe that you can go and buy bowls with just re- normal names on them for animals places, no matter how rich you are. No, I you believe can. No, that. But the engraved collar, that, like, you had to go and get that made. So, yeah. well, like, I mean, 
you could get those the engraved collar or collar made at like I mean, I did that for Gracie at like Petco or whatever. You know, they were. I guess I'm taking into account that they're rich, so they wouldn't just go to a place where you could just go and get like a simple one made. Yeah, we, exactly. We went to Tiffany's and made sure. His- <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just dawned on me too that uh, the parents are pretty eager, being away, to agree to let her have this random cat she found care? off the street. But well, why should I worry? Why should I, I care? care? Um, oh, but I just feel like, do you, at what point do you think Winston is going? Do you think we should check? Do you think we should like get this cat some shots or something? Like take it to the vet? Yeah, it's the eighties. Okay, fair <laughs> no. enough. I mean, that is a fair thing to say, but I don't know <laughs> much about animal vaccinations during the eighties. I you know? I don't either. I just got this. I'm gonna let this stray kitten I found six hours ago sleep in my bed. It could have mites or fleas or whatever, but. Then again, considering how often Oliver went got all like weird and puffed up on those like air vents or what have you during all the preceding day. He's- I think Fagin has fleas more than I think Oliver does. And it'd still be a precaution that you take considering that you have an oh, award-winning oh, oh. prize poodle in your house with oh, you. Yeah, like, it just seems weird that there but wouldn't be that. But she does spend the whole day with him. He could have just, like, I don't know, maybe, like... Maybe they did take him to a like, vet somewhere in the interim. Yeah, like, during that interim, they got him, like, We just didn't see up. that scene. Got them all cleaned up. Now you get a collar. Now you get a, you get your own bowl. Yep, he checks out. Okay, so I'll just say that happened off camera. Check. <laughs> it's um, a montage. Anything can happen. That's true. It's a montage. <laughs> uh, real quick shout out to Georgette for having another great <laughs> noise in the midst of that song. <laughs> By the way, it's funny because with the I I, I I'm gonna bring this up because from earlier, but um, with all the other people, other dogs, when they actually bark, it sounds like uh, stock footage dog bark. Matt Miller is literally saying, bark, bark, <laughs> which is great. I love that. I love that. Especially the bit the bit that comes up where it's the next day. Jenny goes off to school. The dogs pop out of the bushes. They stage a way to get in. We learned that Winston is really into the fights. Oh, he likes wrestling. It was boxing, wasn't it? Oh, it's boxing. Yeah, you're right. Not that okay. it was. Okay. Is it wrestling? It might have been wrestling. Later, it was wrestling. Um. Something manly. Yeah. Something that includes fighting um, on television. But anyway, they, 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 they find a way to sneak in and flummox Winston. This is a, actually a pretty fun little break-in scene. Um, has my favorite uh, my favorite line from Tito in this, which is, Hey man, if this is torture, chain me to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was surprised how funny that scene is. That's actually a really good line. Um, uh, and by the way, I'm surprised that like when like Winston is very gullible or something, but he's like, oh my gosh, uh, another dead dog. Oh, oh, it's the same dog from yesterday. I must follow. Oh, I heard a door slam. Hmm, strange. Oh well. There are paw prints on the carpet. What in the devil is going on? Hmm. Um, And then you know you walk into this room and. One of the dogs is just sitting in plain sight, pretending to be a statue, which I loved. Yes, that was great. <laughs> oh, when they when they uh, go when he goes into Georgette's room. Oh yeah, so they all yeah. they all go into Georgette's room. And... Well, Dodger goes first and scares the living daylights out of Georgette. <gasps> oh, I knew this was going to happen. Which is kind of dark. No, you're barking. Yeah, the implication is really bad. (laughs) Yeah, which is funny because it says you're barking up the wrong tree. This isn't going to happen. She's like, it's not. Why isn't it? (laughs) Like, wait, what? Bad. (laughs) It's very bad. So bad. It's a little bit of dark humor that I can roll with in this case, but oh my god. 
80s, man. Oh, and this is, yeah, this is the part. Winston, bark, bark. And this is like where I really began noticing the thing about the voice acting I was talking about earlier. Where yeah. characters, they should be screaming more or they should be a lot louder than their performance leads me to believe. It's where I really noticed it the most. And so I like went back and started documenting it. With the, this, with, uh, with mainly with Georgette in particular, because I feel like of anybody, she's the one who's not who's actually giving it the most energy. That's why it became so noticeable. She's the one giving the most energy, and yet at the same time, it's like the still really subdued, and it's like I took notice of it more, especially at the scene where she's supposed to be screaming for Winston and barking, and she breaks this mirror, and it just sort of sounds like she's like someone cut in front of her in line. <laughs> <laughs> and so like from that point on i began to really notice it and then i noticed it in the songs and whatnot and like i think the only character i think screamed for real was jenny yeah oh, yeah <laughs> that's understandable that's like 11 it's a it's a 12 year old girl voicing jenny so i don't know in a way it makes me feel like uh because i have no ground for it thinking this in any regard, but it's like the same feeling I get when people want to say something on stage, but they kind of feel really embarrassed about what they're doing. So uh, they tend to sit a little quieter. Like uh, you won't notice. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hunched up at the mic. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, it's Bette Midler being a dog and it's really hammy and I love it, but it, I feel like it could have been a lot bolder than it actually was. So she maybe someone told her to tone it down. She could have hammed it up more. But it was still hammy to begin with. Like I have weird thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, but the, they she, do a thing. She does uh, warm up to them after he's. We just want to get our cat back, and she's like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, we get the start of Tito trying to hit on her." Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he has a full like uh, Alonzo. I can't. My name is Tito Alonzo. No, Juli- Tito's not his first name. Tito's not in there at all. It's it's in there. No. Uh, hold on, let me get. Oh my gosh, you have it. Long names aren't uncommon. I should bring that up. Oh yeah, with the uh, with the uh, 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 Latina or Latina and Latino names, um, absolutely. Yeah, like like my dad's a Spaniard, and he's got a lot of like Mexican family that live in Texas, and like my sister had like four names. I'm very used to it, so <laughs> I didn't think it was all that weird. It's just uh, it's it's played up a little jokey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, his his name is uh, Ignacio Alonso Julio Federico de Tito. So I, I guess Tito's his last name. Nice. Not not that bad. <laughs> oh, oh he's, apparently I don't know if you know this character, but he's inspired by Charlie Bates from Oliver Twist. So he is supposed to be Charlie Bates. He's supposed to be Charlie Bates. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> so so Tito um does this thing, and that's some some stuff happens, and then. They 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 go into Oliver's room, and I think Rita is the only one who's like, "Hey, maybe maybe he's cool here. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're just kind of." And then and then uh uh, uh Georgette interjects and is like, "No, no, you must." And they like throw him in a pillowcase and run out the door with him. Yeah, Rita's like, "Hey, Dodge, read the room a little bit. You know, <laughs> does this look like torture? Maybe we should leave him be." And Dodge is like, "I can't read the room. I'm wearing sunglasses." <laughs> Hey, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, they bolt, and Georgette and Winston didn't suspect a thing because he's not that bright. And uh, they get to uh, they get back to Fagin's boat in no time and dump uh, Oliver out of the bag. They let the cat out of the bag in there. 
And they're like, hey, we got you back. He's like, why'd you do that? I was happy. It's like... Because, hey, your family, dude. After a, after a day... And Dodgers all. And he's like, not that I. It's not that I don't like you guys. It's just I like it there too. Can I? Can I? Can I have both? And you know, he's just a kid. He doesn't know better. But, he's just a kid. He doesn't know better. But I still want to feel like he. Like I don't think it was a good idea for them to have taken him. No. no. And I think that Dodger and Gang got a little too attached for someone they've only known like maybe seventeen hours. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like Oliver's reaction to it was very ungrateful ish. Yeah. Like, I feel like you could explain it. Maybe, like, you know, the, the woman, the girl treated me well. I would like to go back. And maybe they'd even go through the process of taking him back. Be like, sorry, whoops, our bad. We, we understand where you're coming from. But his tone sort of set Dodger off to be, like, very antagonistic about it. But even then, yeah. uh, Dodger's not exactly, does, he's, like, not as, as, as upset by, I mean... Yes, technically he's upset, but, like, the acting makes his... Dodger takes it the hardest, but, like, I feel like, yeah, you like, the way you're explaining it, Randy, like, makes it, makes, like, characters make logical sense, but they have to do this for drama, and I'm like, oh, boy. It, it, it feels a little forced. The, the problem is... It's just the way my brain works, you know? I'm sorry. It's like, I, 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 I have to look past all the dramatic stuff and try to make sense of it. No, it's your, <laughs> and as you should, uh, as a well, rational... But they're dogs and a baby. Here, here's a <laughs> yeah. The problem, though, is that is Billy Joel's trying to play it cool, too. So when even he's, when he's mad. Even when he's mad, he's like, it means family, kid. Like, he doesn't sound <laughs> upset in a role where he should be angry. Because he feels... Like, he should... I feel like he should be angrier than that. Yeah. Or, like... But this is the point in the movie where Oliver kind of stops being a character for a while. He just becomes a, a MacGuffin because at almost the moment that Fagin comes down the stairs and scoops him up, he stops having any agency in the plot, basically. And I think this is why I get my thoughts that Dodger is the actual main character of the story, not so much Oliver, that Oliver is like a furry plot device. <laughs> well, here's, here's what I think, because uh, it's... If we if this was a book, like if we were like if we were writing a book, it would be from Oliver's point of view. But I feel the character that actually changes the most out of this is Fagin. I mean, not by much, but this is this is a guy who's always kind of even. I mean, he's been kind. Well, no, because like he he treats his pets with like the utmost respect, and he's like very kind. He, he, he's not like the scum of the earth, and even. Like, based on, like, what's happened earlier in the film, I wouldn't think Fagin would sell out a little girl, you know? No, and... So... So none of the characters actually change in any way, if you think about not it. Not really. Not even not even Oliver. No, Dodger doesn't really change. Like, there's no... That's why, that's why I feel kind of lukewarm about this movie. No one really goes through a major character arc. No. The only one that even arguably does is probably Georgette, and it's not even a real one. So, no. Yeah. I, I I mean, the the way she changes is she becomes more... Because it isn't about Oliver. She probably still hates that cat. It's getting Jenny back she cares about and why she works with people. Right. And then she actually does fall for Tito, strangely enough. Um, I do I do find that endearing, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I skipped us ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, no, 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 no. We, Fagan writes a bad ransom note. He's like, Oh, okay, I put two and two together. I'll, I'll, I don't, he doesn't know that a little girl is, has taken it all. Or he's just, is like a rich dude. So he, 
starts writing a ransom note. The next, uh, uh if, if any, honestly, if anyone should have an arc, I mean, Oliver could have more of an arc. He could have started out as like, if if you would have given this character a little bit more, more well character, he could have began at could have been more of a like streetwise cat. If this movie would have been longer, uh, it could have shown him like. Maybe, like, days have passed where, uh, speaking of dogs, uh, uh, days may have been passed, and you can see that Oliver's kind of hardened a little bit or something. Like, there should have been more time with him hanging out with the gang. Because it wants to, like, sell you on this idea that Oliver becomes, like, a person that will protect, like, his family and friends or whatever. But we already knew he was a capable cat because he followed Dodger earlier in the film. Uh, and it's not like he hates the gang or anything, so I don't see a reason for him not to work with them when, uh, Jenny gets snatched up, so... Well, like, I I think if you really want to make it Oliver's story, I think maybe you do have a beginning as a kitten, but then, like, you see him become a cat to show, like, maybe, like, a teen cat, um, or... A la, like, Simba? A la Simba. It doesn't have to be an adult cat, but, like, a... And clearly they've... An older cat. It would make things be a lot punchier. Like, if he grew up with them and he became, like, whatever a teenage version of the cat is, I assume it'd be, like, a year or something. Yeah. Then it would make more sense that Dodger hates it when Oliver's like, I'm sorry, I was happy there. Or uh, Or, that he comes up with ideas to, like, get punched through a window. Although I don't even think that was his idea. No. Uh, And then also, that would maybe it shows like he's kind of has become a hardened cat. But then when he does get adopted, it's a little bit more awkward at first with Jenny. But then it's like he realizes, oh no, there's this kind of she's actually showing me conditional, like this unconditional love that I because I had to prove myself with the others. I don't have to prove myself here as much. Um, and there could have maybe been a little bit more back and forth between him and Georgette a little bit. That could have been funny. That There could have been humor yeah. there. And, it would have added, like, a much deeper conflict for the point of the movie that tried to be a conflict involving Dodger and Oliver and the gang. And, and maybe Which disappears, by the way, after this scene. Almost immediately. Almost instantly. It's yeah. Gone. Now, uh, all of a sudden, everybody's kind of complicit in this plot of Fagans, where um, the first thing they do is they go to Sykes' uh Boathouse, and this is, we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, where he ch- goes to explain to Sykes what he's got planned, basically. Uh, yeah, his plan is that, like, oh, this cat was adopted, and uh, clearly this cat lived with a rich person, and he's like, oh, I'm going to write a ransom note so I can... Uh, he's, trying, he's trying to explain the whole plan, but then uh, Fagan is almost killed by the dogs? No, 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 Dodger's almost killed. Well, Dodger jumps in to save Fagan, and then, of course, the dogs are distracted, almost killing Dodger, but at first they're attacking Fagan, and then Dodger comes to his aid. Yeah. But, um, but Fagan explains the plan, and then when, when, uh, when Sykes sees the collar, he's like, oh, well, actually, you've gone up in the world, Fagan, I see what you're going for, so yeah, you have, uh, what, 12 hours? Yeah. Because we're, we're on the dawn of the final day. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, basically. The next the next day, uh, Jenny f- comes home from school and finds the ransom note after going and looking for. Oh no, no, she came back earlier, didn't she? Yeah, this is, no, know. she gets home from school. She came back inside and she's like looking for the cat. She's asking Georgette. Like, Georgette's just being. I love the bit where Georgette is like snickering over uh, Jenny's shoulder, but she thinks she thinks Georgette is crying. She goes, "Don't worry, we'll go find him." She goes, "Ah." So good. It's so good. It. That's why Georgette's the best <laughs> character. 
She does. She's animated the best. She's oh man. Um. So it all culminates with Jenny going by herself to the dock. <laughs> Once again, my notes read exactly. How did this girl <laughs> sneak out of the house like this? Where is Winston? <laughs> with with Georgette too. Keep it the mind, prize dog. The prize dog and the daughter of the wealthy socialites. Like Winston is doing a terrible job. I watched a fight and didn't notice that the girl left. <laughs> um, but she's down in this wharf. Fagin's waiting to see who will show up, and then I, 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 the bit where she taps, she taps him on the shoulders. Ah, the FBI. Um, <laughs> You're like, what happened there? I feel like there's, a, there's like hidden stuff. Like, I still want to know exactly because it, it could have been gambling, but what got so bad that Fagin had to borrow money from a dude like Sykes? It doesn't really matter. If you borrow money from somebody, especially with someone like Fagin, who's, you know, living in a shack, more or less, has a bunch of dogs to take care of, as well as himself. Yeah. You know, it could have just literally been anything. And what, what, and, and looking like he does, why in the world would Sykes even consider loaning money to Fagin? Because they're easy targets. Oh, good point. Also, what users do. Also, oh, right, we right. could have developed this better. We could have seen him taking, like, borrowing money from, Fagin borrowing money from Sykes earlier on, and witnessing why, how he came into this downfall. And then eventually when, um, uh, uh, when Oliver gets taken, that's when Fagin discovers, oh, I need to get Sykes the money, or I am, like, out of luck. I am. I am dead. I'm basically dead. I'm dead. I don't, I don't even realize, I don't even think that that's a possible truth. And the reason that people would lend money to people like Fagan, you know, seems like a bad business decision at first. It isn't initially so that, you know, they don't pay you back to kill them. You still lose the money that way. It's so that you get a good source of a person who will do things for you good to absolve point. that Good debt. point. Yeah, you, you're, you're And with people running it like that, like, oh, drugs that I've got to go pick up? Well, you owe me about $100,000. Why don't you go and run this off? We'll knock a little bit off of that debt for you. How about that? And that you stay up where you're yeah. supposed to be. So it, I don't think Fagan would have died, but I certainly think he would have been doing some awful things Oh yeah, to make up for it, depending on how much he actually was, he took because it's he never been, said how much. And he, he could. already he could might have been, been doing stuff because he was basically jacking car radios in order to like try and pay this dude off. And but he's just like, kind of an know. incompetent crook. True. Like I don't know how much it could have possibly have been. Part of me wants to think it's not even that much money. Oh, but probably not. It's probably <laughs> like a few hundred dollars. <laughs> he owes him like only like three hundred. Um. So um. So yeah, they they they. Uh, Jenny comes with her piggy bank. Prepared to, and Fagin's just like, oh no, and, and he gets the guilt thumb screws applied. You see the crisis of conflict going on in his mind. You know he really wants to go through with this plan, but he can't do it. And you watch the range of emotions. <laughs> yep, this which actually, I love. This, this part was actually really well animated, and yeah, uh, like he doesn't say anything, but you can see the entire thought process. Oh yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I, I kind of like how he, to be like, oh yeah, I found this cat in a box, but, uh, how he does that is he drops the, like, the little kitten in the box, but I like how it's like, Meow. <laughs> And then, as Oh, would no, you look at this? Oh, uh, but yeah, no sooner are they reunited than here comes the, the Sykes-mobile. And Sykes is And like, Sykes just, like, basically opens the car door, pulls Jenny in, and tells Fagan, yeah, your debt's absolved, I'm out of here. He actually now, throws, he throws yeah. Oliver out, by the way. Yeah, he threw Oliver out of the car. He's like, I don't want this, this cat in here. Okay. And my notes say, I forgot completely about the child kidnapping. But as an adult with no context as to why Sykes is doing this, like, I have a good idea why. 
but without it, it seems very rapey, and I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least now we know it's like she's a rich, she's the daughter of rich. He's literally holding her for ransom. It's a I know, but it's like in that moment right there, he's oh. literally just snatching a girl, and it, it I don't like it. One no, <laughs> I don't. I don't like it either. It's it's pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Also, because he's like a scary big dude, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, they they waste no time. They're they're gonna rescue her, and they do all kinds of harebrained stuff to try and get Jenny out of that situation. While meanwhile, um, Sykes has got Winston on the phone and saying, "No, listen." You get the old man on the phone and tell him it's about his daughter. And Winston's probably on the other end going, oh, no, I have failed utterly as a guardian. Yeah, he probably didn't even know Jenny was out of the house. So he probably didn't know Georgette was gone either. (laughs) Probably not. Because he certainly didn't notice that Oliver had been missing for the better part of like a day. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, This is kind of a funny moment with like the. Uh, they, like they they throw uh, like it's kind of like a, almost Ruberg of like uh, Oliver getting thrown in and then they disguise themselves as a pizza guy and he's like I didn't order any this this line cracked me up as a kid just all that didn't <laughs> pizza I'm gonna open the door anyway but uh, and uh, this dude's got by the way dude um, Sykes clearly has a gun yeah oh. which we never see again. Sykes is clearly menacing. He's he's armed. Uh, does, is this part like this whole part two kind of a mishmash of things? Because we never see the gun again, and you'd think he would at least use it a couple times to try and shoot Fagin in the part where you know they get Jenny out of there and they get on Fagin's scooter and they take off, and he's chasing them in his car. Oh, during all this, uh, George, Georgette and Tito do more bonding. They actually bond a little. Mm-hmm. Um. I just wanted to mention that because it happens. Um, I never understood why Sykes goes as far as he does in this. He doesn't have to do this. No, I have a thi- I have a theory. I have a theory. It's, a theory. it's not a very good one, but it's my in my mind the way you justify Sykes driving his expensive limousine into a um, into a New York subway tunnel. Oh yeah, they go into the subway tunnel. And his car actually goes on the subway rails, and he destroys his wheels in the process. Yeah, you just like he, he's going really, he's going ham on this, and I don't know why. It's not like it's because he's Deville. No, <laughs> like this isn't a like this, his character is clearly not someone that would do this. He doesn't come exactly. off as like someone who gets like he. He's quietly menacing. He doesn't seem like someone who goes off the rails, you know? See, if Cruella DeVille did this, I totally would believe it. Yeah, because she's yeah, already a yeah. high-strung. Uh, but I have a theory. Is it? Um, I told you this as we were talking last yeah. night. He literally just admitted to someone that he's kidnapped a rich, a rich little girl, right? Oh, yeah, he's already made He's already point. talked to Winston. Winston knows that basically, as far as I can tell, we don't get the whole conversation, but Winston must know this is a ransom situation, that she's been kidnapped. If she gets out of there and is able to tell the police or tell the authorities who did it, he's, it's over for Sykes. And not only that, but Jenny's got like a witness in Fagan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Fagan yeah, can admit to all the other shady stuff that Sykes is doing. So at this point, he's like, if they get away from me, that's it. My career is over. My possibly my life is over. So maybe he did get pushed to desperation, you know? But we don't see that. But we don't see that. That's that's the way... Like he, he just becomes like a car. 
Sykes and Nick just literally becomes a car for this whole scene. Sykes is just and Sykes is the car, as far as I'm concerned. The car so you don't see extension. any of that desperation. So it seems like a very off the rails with no real motivation <laughs> sort of thing. Off. And that's unfortunate because again, I don't know if it was a character choice, but like the fact that Sykes was kind of like quietly menacing, but it would have been nice to see some like little bursts of character emotion with him. Yeah, like if way. we see the breakdown, like if we could see the thought go through his head that this is what would happen. Like with Fagin when he was deciding whether or not to ransom the cat. Then, you know? Yeah. Like if we could see it happen, I feel like I would it would be more believable that he would do stuff like drive on the subway. Like you know? maybe, maybe like looking <laughs> yeah. at him and he's like at the very least, like he could he could be realizing that if they get away, like you kind of you kind of put two and two together. And um, honestly, I just think it would have made sense if he had leaned out the window of the car and shot at them with a loaded gun. We saw him set up in a previous scene, but no, he just tries to ram him basically. And actually, there's another part that doesn't make sense because there's one point he literally smashes through the window of his car with his fist to grab Jenny when he could have, he could have rolled down the window. Like what? You you, all, you, you mean, saw it, that too, right? I mean, I don't really remember him smashing through it, but I remember him grabbing at her. Yeah, yeah so he smashes yeah. out the side window of his car. His fist punches through it. Um. Also, I feel bad. I hate to say this. Well, I don't hate to say this because, I mean, they're just really well-trained dogs, but uh, Roscoe and Giuseppe are getting fried on the electric subway yeah. rails. Yeah, like I wrote, Ex- these dogs are dead. These dogs are brutally dead. Actually, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to the villains, all three villains' deaths in this is very, like... Are genuinely like, horrifying. You, you yeah. kind of feel like maybe Roscoe and DeSoto didn't deserve to get fried like that. No. But it's very true to, uh, I guess, the novel when Sykes... I want to say he jumps off a bridge, his dog jumps with him. Yeah. Or he hangs himself. I forget which, but the dog just follows him. And this dog wasn't even treated well. So, like, even it, everyone dies together. <laughs> Almost. I mean, like, they have a fight. Oh, spoiler warning for Oliver Twist, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean the book that's been around for, like, over two years? Yeah, yeah. Just put that out there. It's all good. Um, But Oliver and Dodger fight, effectively, the two of them fight uh, the dogs, fight DeSoto and Roscoe, and ice them on the rails. Yeah. Uh, Again, the villains are defeated through through their own. Like that's the whole thing about Disney. It's like, oh, you, they weren't trying to kill them, but no, they were. They fought them. And uh, Tito's bad driving got saved them apparently a little bit. Bad yeah. driving and skills of levitation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somehow they're able to jump on that bridge. That like bridge. They come out of the subway onto a bridge. Yeah. And uh, Sykes is trying to get Jenny, but they're able to get Jenny to Fagin's car, and then. Um, Sykes has the opportunity to throw... Again, he climbs out of his car to do all this stuff. He grabs both Oliver and Dodger and throws them off to the side, and then he realizes he's about to get hit by a train. And totally and does. totally gets hit by a train. Yeah, the like, way, you, get, you kind of you see it, don't you? Yeah, like, he yeah, gets hit by it. You actually see him get hit by a train. Well, what, the- what you see is you see his car go off screen, you see him go off screen, and then a split second later, the train plowing through the bit of the car that you do see, and it's just smoke and fire. So you don't see the train hit Sykes, but it's like a split second after he's off screen that you see the car get plowed into by the train. So yeah, yeah it definitely looks like he just is immediately killed in a fiery wreck. Um, Which is like, it was pretty I'm, brutal. Yeah. I'm well, especially because the chunks of the car fall off the bridge and the train doesn't even stop. No. The police don't ever show up. Like it's, it's that, New car, York. that car is <laughs> tissue paper. 
Like, I can't believe how e- cleanly that car got taken out. And that's a nice car, too. Yeah. Yeah. Or it uh, was until it got driven down a subway track. Yeah. Oh, and, right, right here. and then... This, this movie is weird, you guys. By the way, there's a death fake-out with Oliver, and I'm like, do we really... It's not the worst death fake-out I've ever seen, mm. but it's still there. It's bad. Oh, I that know. was considered a death fake-out? I yeah. wasn't entirely sure. <laughs> yeah. Meow, Oliver. If they hadn't done that, if it just been like holding Oliver while he's seemingly unconscious, and then he just wakes up and they're like, oh wait, he's okay, he's not hurt. No, they need. It wasn't as much of a death fake as it could be. Like no one went like, oh no, Oliver's dead. You know, like there's no way I'd buy it. Considering how I watched that cat fall at least twelve stories at the beginning of the movie and live. (laughs) So you know, it's like yeah, that cat can live through anything. That cat already used up at least one life. But yeah, that cat has many lives to go. Um, I and then it ends uh, where Jenny's celebrating her birthday, and wow, she must be a lonely kid. If it's She's got no friends. No friends. A bunch of mangy dogs and their mangy owner. <laughs> Maybe that's why all the other parents were like, "No, you can't go to Jenny's birthday party. She has a homeless person there." Fake <laughs> <laughs> and scared everyone away. Now, you have a choice. It's the it's your friends from school or the mangy dogs and the homeless guy. And of course, you know, if I was Jenny, I'd sure as hell pick the homeless guy and his mangy mutts because they saved my life. So, no, the you kid, know, as far as I know, the kids at school make fun of Jenny. They'll find a way. They probably call her Wendy because she looks like Wendy's. Um, I would literally give the finger to every single one of those children on the way to cutting my cake. So, (laughs) (laughs) So they have a birthday party. And also, um, I actually really like this little bit where Tito and, uh, and uh, Georgette are in the other room and they're dancing to the same song that Tito was dancing to earlier in the film. Yeah. That's cute. I like that. And then, uh, we don't know how much time has passed by the way, but, it's uh, been presumably fairly soon. And she's eight years old. It's uh, she has eight birthday candles. So she turned eight. Yay! Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, there's a point. There's a point where she's like, "Oh, thanks, everyone. The gifts are great." And you pan towards the gifts, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, what's that baby doll? <laughs> what is that? This is frightening." The creepy baby doll. Yeah. It's great. It's like I think just everything that was still in the loot box they brought over yeah. and gave to Jenny, which I think is really sweet. Yeah. Um. The broken tennis racket is there. The the one yeah, that uh, totally Einstein is. had. Oh, which is, that's kind of dark. Um, and then Georgette is like, uh, they're about to leave because uh, Baggins totally made a bet with Winston on the fight and uh, lost. And Winston's like, you owe me money. Oh, look at the time. I gotta leave. Which adds, lends credence to the gambling thing. I'd be yeah. more inclined to believe it somewhat that he needed the money for it. Yeah, that that definitely sets that up. Oh, and then Winston gets a call from her parents saying, "We're going to be there tomorrow." Yay! And then, Yay. and the best part is because of do the, they even know that she was kidnapped? <laughs> I was about to say no. Winston didn't say a darn thing to them. Clearly, because no, he would be fired so fast. And no I'm one sure like, about the it. The police wouldn't believe the story that they were chased through the subway and up a bridge. You know, like, sure, the guy's car, but there'd be a record of his car getting hit by the train. But she's like, yeah, and then a bunch of dogs came and saved my life. And then we drove up the bridge away from this bad man. Maybe. And they'd be like, go home. <laughs> yeah. Please go home. Maybe Winston and like, maybe most Winston and Figure well, were like, oh, now, Jenny, don't say anything. <laughs> watch the police officers are like, wait, isn't that the, like, head loan 
mountain shark that we've been trying to look at. We've been trying to bust this narcotics guy for ages, you know. Oh, well, he's dead. We did. It. We caught. We we caught him. Well, that you say. If you, you know what? I I I just want to mention real quick. Just going back. I know this is already a long review or a long talk, but like, did you notice that Sykes has a has a thing for models? Oh, like yeah, he's got a model of his own car, a model of his of his cargo freighter. Like he likes models. It's a weird little character choice that's barely mentioned. I like it. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a reference to something from like the book counterpart. Or if it's just something they added to the character so that you could, like, jazz up his office space. Yeah. Because I know everyone, if they work in an office or a cubicle, you bring knickknacks and doodads from home to, like, personalize it somewhat. Oh, yeah. I don't care if you're a gangster, you'll have something. Mm-hmm. Well, he certainly got um, hobbies beyond just exploiting people, so. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so the movie... Basically, oh wait, wait, wait! You were starting to talk about that oh, bit. Yeah, with, we have that bit last gag with Georgette and Tito, where Tito thinks he's going to get some action and instead gets dressed up in a sailor suit, which is great. I felt like I don't know if I should feel uneasy by Georgette, you know, basically offering some at the end of the movie. But then again, I was a kid who grew up with Nala's come uh, do me face from The Lion King, <laughs> so I mean. <laughs> Can you feel I mean, the love you've tonight? You see the face. You yeah, know that I face. Know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Can you imagine so the puppies, though? Oh, they're they're uh, Chihu- Ch- Chipoodles. Is that what what that would be called? Uh, what is uh, what is a Chihuahua? Chihuahuas. <laughs> is it a Chihuapoo? Chihuapoo. I, I don't know. I can't Google it. Yeah, I got my iPad right here. Oh, oh yeah, I'm googling it right now too. <laughs> Oh, they're adorable! Oh, oh my gosh, those are cute. Oliver and Company. Oh, they're so cute. Featuring the children of Georgette and Tito. Oh my gosh, look how they're cute. They I see them being called Chews. Chews. Oh, Chipu. Chipus. 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 Okay, they're really cute. That's a cute name. That's a cute name for a dog. Okay, yeah, their babies would be cute. Yeah, they'd be really cute. <laughs> yeah, so um, we get another reprise of uh, of uh, what should I worry as the the gang takes off and like, hey, we're all cool. And by the way, uh, you're still in the gang, but you can live. That was easily resolved. Hey, you're still in the gang, Oliver, but you can still live in this penthouse. Nothing like killing a gangster together to you know <laughs> <laughs> okay, bring the family together. <laughs> by the way, these. Dogs on a daily basis jump on cars and cause car accidents in New York on a daily basis. Why haven't like taken the pound? Because Fagan uses <laughs> to help them make his getaway, their getaway in a scooter. Besides, these dogs are very uh, smart and they know to avoid people on the ground. You just ride stuff up into the skyline. Yeah, right. Construction and whatnot. Somehow, construction that swings low enough that they can jump to it from the street. And then we kind of pan out to see New York because let's be honest, what is this all? A love letter to New York. I know. Get that beautiful background art again. I love looking at it. It's, it's great. Really, it's great to see the whole beautiful. the whole of whole Manhattan painted like that. Ah, uh, well, that was fun. Um, I didn't think we'd end up talking this long about a movie that's I, I not I, all that great or that long. <laughs> well, I, I think it's just because we we were trying to figure out what appeals and what doesn't. Like it, it's. Uh, overall, I like. I I lean toward liking the movie, but I don't love it. You know what I mean? I yeah. That's fair. It's 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 that sort of mix of like there's 
It's not a movie I'd want to watch again anytime no. soon. I think I had more fun talking about it. Yeah. Actually yes, watching it. I did. This has been very enjoyable. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, the movie itself is just okay. I like the music. I'm not going to lie. The music is what gets me as well. The artwork for this is really beautiful. It, like, it the really is. The background artwork of New York is gorgeous, and I love that about it. The, the, the art direction and the art style itself actually work really well for the movie. Like, animation-wise, it's very good. I think just the story and characters fall a little flat. Yeah, this is one of the few movies where it's too short. It's a little underdeveloped and could have paid off by a little bit more development. Um, and luckily, they actually do that in the next film. Yay! Uh, what... What's our next film, Kayla? Um, well, uh, a year later, I was born, and uh, a little mermaid dreams of going into the surface and being part of the human world. Ooh. Yeah. That's the next film. Oh, I'll man. To listen to that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Randy, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Yeah, it was a lot of fun talking with you. It's great having you back. Thank you for having me. I really enjoy doing this, and it's a lot of fun just gabbing about films and stuff like that with you guys. Oh, absolutely. Hey, uh, just in case people didn't hear our episode we did uh, on Song of the South and they don't know where to find your stuff, uh, where can people find the things you do? Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can find my, uh, my art on Patreon. I'm on patreon.com slash the captain's art, uh, spelled T H E C A P T A I N Z A R T. Uh, and uh, you can find me via that handle on almost all platforms Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram. Excellent. You can see the art I make. Be 18. <laughs> Be 18 or older. <laughs> Although, uh, um, I definitely recommend if you have any fantasy commissions for him, he, that's very good at fantasy uh, artwork. Like, he made my uh, half-elf oracle look amazing, as well as uh, her um, uh, protean companion, so yeah, I, I, oh, I'm, very, I'm very happy about that. I've got a habit of giving people big hair, big jackets, and... Uh, I love drawing me some more people, so if you like that, give me a follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works are rad, and so are you, so. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, uh, until then, please don't worry. Please don't care. Well, do care. I mean, look, <laughs> we don't make any mo- money from this podcast. We may not have a dime, but we got streets at Wafit. do 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 I can't sing, so I'm not going to join in. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Monday Night Rufo, brought to you by Back to the Grind, where you laugh. (laughs) Where we cry. And sometimes we even moan. And it's on iTunes, Stitcher, get in at all the podcast places. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. And you can also get it at BenviewNetwork.com. Check it out. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BendUNetwork.com.